man, there's a lot there. Isaac, do you want to go first? You look like you, your, your brain's so big. Just go for it, dude. I don't know. Well, <laughs> well it's, it's not as strategic as you think. It's not like, well, if we move this Japanese airsofter here, we'll make a 10 million view video that will move the needle this far. You're listening to the Art and War podcast with your host, Mitch and Nathan. Mitch is a former Airborne Infantry squad leader who now spends most of his time coaching soccer. Nathan is a professional illustrator and an avid shooter with a couple of years of Canadian military experience. Together, they run the Seaburn Art page. Enjoy the show. <laughs> I actually was going to make the joke. I was going to say, welcome to the Grand Thumb podcast that he doesn't have to actually do any of the organizational work on because I love it. he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> is, is your internet all good, though? I don't want it to, like, yeah, fucking great white neighbor to the north just fucking up internet. Well, we're a very professional podcast here. We have very professional equipment, opinions, thoughts. But yeah, today we're joined because we're getting we're getting better now. So we're getting better with introducing our guests in the beginning as opposed to like 20 minutes down the road. That's something that uh, we didn't do in the beginning. So I don't like that. You don't like it? You're not a fan? I'm just kidding. No, You're good. <laughs> Are you going to remember to do ad reads this time? Um, Ooh. you know, oh yeah. Did we forget with you? We did. <laughs> I think we, so. we did with him and then we had to put yeah. it in the beginning. Use Grand yeah. Thumbs link for Brownells. Thank you. Um, yes. <laughs> Brownells are a big 2A supporter. We'll, we'll do uh, our ad read now. AWS, Advanced War Fighting Solutions. Um, <laughs> check out their SMU belt. Use code Art and War 10. We don't get a kickback. You just save money, get cool gear. And Applied Gear, use code Art and War 5. They make everyday carry belts. We don't get kickback. You get cool gear and save money. Good people over there. Um, that's our ad read. There we go. So now we're all done. Very now good it's just people. Fucking, we're going. <laughs> now we can just shit post. Fantastic. Um, I don't know if I finished introducing everybody, but we got Mike Jones, aka Grand Thumb, the man with thumb, some thumbs who does stuff and things on YouTube, and then we Thank have you. Isaac Bot Isaac Botkin, a better person than all of us combined. Who yes, no. genuinely, measurably does stuff and things and engineering stuff over at T Rex Arms. This episode only came to be because Mike had the idea last episode. He was like, I want to I want to do an episode with Isaac. And we're like, well, hell yeah, I'm not going to say no to that. Um, we never had reoccurring guests. So congratulations to you folks, reoccurring guests. Thank you very much. Hey, hey. Two, two weeks in a row, I think, Mike. So I want to say as someone who stayed up pretty late last night editing my own podcast, don't don't have your own podcast. Just be on this podcast every week with the people that you want to talk to and let these guys do the work. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, I have a ba I have a bandwidth and I've I've exceeded it. So be yeah, <laughs> we have yeah. even then just outsourced the work because the two of us are far too unable to do it. Yeah. Thank, thank you, BR, if you can hear this. So, so you you edit your own podcast, though? I, I do, generally speaking. Oh, the. Um, the, the 20 minuteers I do, and then uh, we've got one coming up, hopefully very soon, that's an interview with someone else. And it was very much like this podcast. We got off track and started talking about stuff that he didn't want publicly in the wild. So I was just uh, going over that. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> it'll more, it'll make more sense uh, once it drops. But uh, yeah, political uh, political candidate who is oh, uh, nice. going on to uh, be in, in office. And we were just talking about different Republican Party shenanigans and Republican Party establishment folks. And he was like, you know, 
that's an off the record thing. And I was like, absolutely. And then we talked for 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) How wonderful. It's great when you can get into those personal conversations though. And I think that's something that we, we strive for. And sometimes it ends up biting us in the ass because a lot of stuff will just have random gaps in it. But you know, it's a very selfish endeavor, this podcast. I think we just get to talk with people about things and maybe people get to hear it. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Mike, do you edit your own videos or do you have somebody for that? Like we have somebody for this. <laughs> you know, I used to edit all my own videos and. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, it was not good. It was way too much. So my, when I hired my current camera guy, Micah, Micah Mayfield on Instagram, um, he was like, I can, uh, he's like, I could edit, you know, I'm like, nah, 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 that's my thing. I like the creative process, you know, I don't want to outsource it. But um, essentially it came down to like, I was super behind on everything and he was like listen i can edit a grantham video as well as you can edit a grantham video because i am actually an editor like i can easily <laughs> replicate replicate your style and i was like freaking bet dude you can't do what i do and so i was like hey we'll have a competition like uh we'll both edit the same video see who comes out better and like within 20 minutes he sent an edited video to me in the time it would take me to do eight like eight hours and it was like so far and above better than anything i could ever have done i was like well shit looks like i'm out of a job <laughs> so that's how i got myself fired from being an editor yeah it was, nice it's gorgeous it, we were gonna teach ourselves to edit when we were starting this and then we were like we already have because with the way that we separate work we already agreed not to take on any more responsibilities because it just takes takes so much time and to learn how to do it I can only imagine how long a video takes, but just doing audio, I felt oh like would have gosh. been too much for us. So it's it's kind of amazing that you are able to do what you do over at T Rex, and you also edit your own podcast. I think that's yeah, that's uh, it's it's uh, in some ways it's easy and a little bit um, therapeutic uh, because I have a background in editing. I kind of I feel a lot more flexibility to like record a. a 30 minute podcast. And then I can, if I real quick after I record it, sit down and be like, Oh, you know, that middle part was just no good. And I just delete that without listening to it. And then I just, you know, skim through and, you know, take out a couple of gaps and then EQ it and then upload it. So it's, it's not super involved, but it is nice to, you know, if I, if I recorded it and then gave it to somebody with notes and then they had to listen to it and then they had to decide whether or not that middle part was any good. Like, I feel like it's efficient uh, to do that relatively speaking. And, and I'm, I'm comfortable with the software. So it's like, it's almost easier for me to do it in the software than it is to write notes. Um, so yeah, but this, this week has been pretty, uh, content heavy because I did a, a Monday, uh, 20 minute podcast. Then I did an hour live stream, which by the way is boring content, but the video guys had two cameras and the laptop screen and they were doing cool, uh, over over the shoulder shots of equipment and split screen stuff. And it was, you know, one of the most technically impressive live streams I've seen. Uh, so, uh, and then now, now we're, we're talking for, for three hours. So this is a pretty content heavy week for me. <laughs> yeah. Was that, was that the, uh, the one with a, the a radio radios, live stream? The yeah. SDR is on. So I'm glad that we've yeah. been talking kind of about radios and layout now because that is very closely tied to the kind of the topic that we're getting into. And that's kind of gun culture how it's evolving, where we've come from, where we're going and how we get there. And I think kind of starting in the middle present time where we're at, radios, um, comms in general, land nav and bushcraft are 
kind of that 0.5 step to that next, to that next, um, you know, 0.0 of gun culture. I agree. Um, I know how we we talked last time, um, with you, Mike, about how you kind of got into guns. I don't know if we really talked with how you kind of got involved with like guns and tactics as much, Isaac. Um, when was your kind of like introduction? I know you, you mentioned briefly, you're kind of always around, um, firearms Mm -hmm. and stuff, but to go from where, where it sounds like you started to where you're at, how how did, how did that come to be? What'd that transition look like? Uh, like many things, I arrived at a lot of these conclusions by going backwards. (laughs) So, um, I was kind of thinking through what capabilities should we have and then work backwards from there to figure out what what some of the skills or tool sets were. Unfortunately, um, uh, like I talked about in the last podcast, not to uh, beat a dead horse, but my dad had been doing video production when I was a kid and doing video production for people like Gun Owners of America. So not only had I been around guns, but I'd been around people who were talking about guns as a cultural uh, right and a necessity and things like that. So I already had all these bits and pieces and shelves in my brain. So then um, as I just was in the world and studied military history and traveled and things, I sort of worked backwards from, well, what would make somebody effective and dangerous and capable in certain situations and be like, oh, well, it would be gear plus capability plus training plus understanding, et cetera, et cetera. It would be a whole bunch of stuff. It would be not just you have a cool gun, but you have an understanding of a weapon system and, and ammunition for it and a way to carry it and a way to deploy it. And, you know, just kind of worked backwards from your ideal situation or your ideal uh, capability list. So yeah. And I am a baby student in, in most of these areas. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got there backwards. Like I get to a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like Isaac so much. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that, that is perfect though. I mean, that's what you want to see, right? That's why I like what, um, what you do, Isaac, is you, you approach it from such a different perspective compared to a lot of the, um, you know, classically trained military guys out there, you know, and it's, it's refreshing. It's good to see it in a different way. And it, it all points back to kind of this general, um, idea that you guys are pushing over at T-Rex arms that I'm pushing that many other people are pushing, which is that, um, you know, military, non-military, law enforcement, non-law enforcement, it doesn't matter. It's that we all have this this fundamental right to be prepared as not just citizens, but just human beings, right? These natural intrinsic rights. And so love it, man. Mike, you said you were there when um, kind of kind of Lucas and the T-Rex guys were switching kind of from wearing multicam to, you know, the the skinny jeans and the jacket and tight pants type <laughs> culture. It, it's all about it's all it's all about culture, right? And it, it's probably one of the one of the best things I can think of as far as like defining the look, right? You you gotta have a look with any I mean we're getting into kind of branding and that type of thing. But Lucas was really good. Um the team over mm-hmm. there was really good at what they did and how they handled it and um the direction that they wanted to take T Rex arms and you know, Lucas, and I'm not sure. I'm sure Isaac, you were pretty involved as well. You guys knew not what you were doing. Particularly, like really? I, I was very, <laughs> I was very out of it for some of the most important branding type stuff. Yeah. That was uh, that train was already rolling by the time I jumped on. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, man. Yeah, no, you know, Lucas was really um, specific about what he wanted and how he wanted to go about it, and making it, you know, a non-military endeavor, a, a civilian endeavor, which was really cool because at the time, um, you know, when this was occurring, like what, 2017, 2016, I think when I was first talking to him, 
you know, it was, it was definitely a military heavy community. Um, and that whole civilian presence wasn't really there or, or maybe it was there, but it was more spat upon. So I really like that. It, it kind of flip-flopped a little bit, right? We have now, it, it's just, this is a natural right for citizens. Like as a citizen, you don't have to have been into the military to have these skills or have this equipment. It's just something that you should have. And he was very particular about the way he, he went about that and how he branded himself and, and, and everything. Right. And it was smart. It was just really smart because everything like we've talked about is, is, is cultural, right? How, how do people perceive it? Um, it, it, I call it social engineering, right? How how are people thinking about this idea? Um, because we've been presenting it in a different way. And uh, mm-hmm. T Rex Arms crew, I mean, you guys crush it at that. You guys are really good. Just gotta, just gotta say it. Your oh, website you. is your website is Chef's Kiss. <laughs> ah, I I love the way that our website is coming together. I think that we have this this beautiful uh, mix of my brother Noah doing the code. And mm-hmm. he can do it at enough of a level, and he has he has other programmers now, but he can do it at enough of a level that when wait, Lucas wait, wait, or Drew are coming up with stuff, we can your we can do it. That's your brother doing the code for that website. Oh yep. yeah. So yeah. when you guys are when you guys are born, are you got, is it like you're assigned a role? You're like <laughs> Lucas is the warrior class, Isaac is the mage. Uh, <laughs> no, because everybody has switched jobs uh, really? a couple of times at least. So I was definitely the artist filmmaker guy, and now I'm an engineer, which, depending on how you look at it, is opposite. Someone needed to do it. (laughs) Uh, And then Noah, I I forget what Noah wanted to do, but I didn't think it was going to be programming. And uh, it's one of those things, you know, the need was there. And then in order to accomplish, you know, and in order to accomplish the, the goal of achieving that need, he had to become good at programming and then once he had become good at programming he was kind of stuck so <laughs> interesting now yeah. now he's just typecast and he's he's stuck well he's he is typecast he is stuck but also he's just he's quite good now he he is having to transition again a little bit because he's transitioning from being the the code monkey who's on his own to being a team lead and that is wow, obviously yeah. a different different thing of course how many yeah. how many employees does t-rex arms has uh, have now uh, we're about 80, 80 people right now. Oh my yeah. god! Holy crap, dude! It's I'm kind of insane. About to, I'm about to hire <laughs> yeah. on my second person, and I'm like stressing, like <laughs> trying to figure it out. Eighty it's, people. It's very stressful. Wow. Now the good news is, um, we've hired not just uh, <laughs> we've hired not just anybody. Uh, we've we've hired along. At first, we hired just anybody that we knew, and it was all younger, <laughs> younger people that we thought we could boss around. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but um, but I was no, really I'm nervous about about hiring uh, you know older, wiser people. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the, the one of the first people that I hired uh, is a Marine Colonel retired who wow. used to fly fighter jets, and that was stressful <laughs> to hire yeah. that guy. I mean, he's he's a good friend, and he was then, so I knew that it was going to be fine, but. I'd never taught anyone how to use a CNC machine before. I'd only just barely learned how to do what we were doing ourselves. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to teach him this stuff. And then I was like, you know, he can he can land F-18s on an aircraft carrier at night. So he will probably know how to run this machine that has three buttons on it pretty soon. He'll probably be okay. He's <laughs> probably going to be fine. Did he yeah. bring any of those weird fighter traditions over to your facility? Uh, so... <laughs> he he had some time to get out of his uh, his squadron his wing 
he actually was in the Pentagon for a while, and then he was out for a while. So he, wow. he had had a chance to transition by the time that we got him. He'd been an elder at a church. He'd been in a bunch of non-fighter uh, jock leadership roles, okay. uh, which is great. Uh, yeah, because he 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 brings a whole bunch of wisdom and, and experience to the role, but it was it was a little daunting hiring that guy, and knowing that he was going to be asking me questions about how to do his job and asking me <laughs> questions about how who he should hire and how we should tell them how to do their jobs. And um, but the those those older wiser guys that we have brought on have been just inestimably valuable. Um, that's the only way that the T Rex could be uh, the eighty people that it is today is. Those four or five uh, graybeards, uh, we we call them the graybeards. <laughs> yeah, this is this is tur- this is becoming more like Skyrim. Uh, the longer this conversation goes, and I am what, what's the the meme of that old guy leaning back, contemplating? Pondering. He's pondering. He's pondering. Yeah, right. like, Isaac, you better not be pondering the CNC machine again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, I, I I did say I saw a couple of good memes today, and I wanted to wel- welcome you back. Oh, thank the you. Randolph the White. <laughs> I'm back, man. <laughs> At the um, turning the of the tide. <laughs> you know, we thought it'd be funny to do that. We, we'd actually been planning that. I was like, if somehow I got my account back, we actually had that video queued just in case we got it back. And then out of nowhere, dude, um, no, someone was like, hey, is your account back? And I was like, what? And sure enough, it was back. <laughs> who who would have who who thought, man? Who would have thought? I, I did not think I was going to get that back yeah. at all. Yeah. No, it's going up against big meta, big meta now. It's so weird yeah, to say that. It's weird meta. to say meta. I know. It's not yeah. Good. Randolph the White <laughs> is back. Um, I'm thinking about doing like a battle with the Balrog against Instagram. Um, to be clear, uh, everyone says that I should not do that because I'll probably get banned again. So. <laughs> you should totally do it again. <laughs> you should totally, totally do it. What are, your, you know, your backup account's like halfway to where your main account is, right? Uh, my main, my main, uh, my main account is at five hundred ten. Oh, never, mind. never mind. So it's it's about a fifth of the <laughs> fifth of the way there. Oh, never mind. So we're we're going. We're getting there, but we're gonna keep working it. So it'll be it'll yeah. be good. It'll be fine. But yeah, thank you, Isaac. You said you had memes for me. Well, that was the main meme. I just I, I forget who actually threw that out there, but that was awesome. The, uh, the Randolph, I've, the white. I've just, seen a uh, lot of yeah. I've seen a lot of them coming out, which is. <laughs> pretty pretty incredible so here's here's a question for you um isaac when you were researching into radios what is your thoughts um on uh, crypto when it comes to radio systems and that type of stuff especially in the civilian oh. world um yeah. so like we i've been doing some um looking into and working with persistent systems if you're familiar with those guys i am Wave relay. i wish yeah. uh, i would i would love to i i have this i have this uh this inside of me there are two wolves uh, one of which wants the best stuff and one of which uh, wants to just work with stuff that's actually accessible to other people. So I know that I could call up friends like like Mike and be like, Mike, do you know someone at Persistent Systems? I sure do, man. I sure how do. Could, how could I get my hands on an MPU-5 just to play with it? Dude, and then it, part it, of me is like, what, what? As as fun as that would be, as awesome as that would be, like, mm-hmm. What value is that to other T Rex people if I have one cool radio? One cool yeah, radio. Yeah. You need you need the yeah. entire system, right? Yeah, and, exactly. So, so that, I, I've actually spent less time um, on some of that super high end stuff just because mm-hmm. the the amount of research time I have is very small, and I'm trying to learn stuff that's useful for other people. Yeah, um, that sounds very altruistic of me, but I'm trying to make it like 
worth and, and not just a weird hobby that I have just for me. <laughs> I get it. I mean, that being said, like if you got the money for the MPU five, like I would say that's probably among the best out there. I'm like, sure they're, they're, they're from my understanding is they are breaking a lot of awesome new ground when it comes to a lot of very cool technologies, you know, mesh topology and self healing ad hoc networks and all this stuff. Yep. I don't fully grasp. They Mesh seem to be we'll, leading we'll that the way. Yeah. It's yeah, very, very cool stuff. They're doing incredible um, stuff. Um, if you, when, if you, well, let me say this, if and when you decide to come out to do more of that recce <laughs> series video stuff, um, we have a couple MPU-5s, so we'll uh, we'll go over like a familiarization. I think you'll like them. I think you're going to end up buying like five of them after you mess with them a little bit. Well, they're only like $15,000 each, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. change. Right. Just have uh, Lucas sell his quads. And buy like three. <laughs> but uh, back back oh. on topic, um, yeah. crypto, so it kind of depends on what you're trying to do. Obviously, when you broadcast, or, or what, rather, <clears throat> amateurs are not allowed to broadcast. When you transmit, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're sending out very detectable RF energy. So yes. if I were uh, in an offensive uh, adversarial type role. I actually don't know that I would need radio content. I would just want to map where radios are. So whether they're encrypted or not, um, I don't care. I can see where they are and how often they're transmitting, whether they're encrypted or not. But on the other hand, if I'm doing like just general T-Rexy stuff and I'd like to have radios between the buildings, I definitely want that stuff uh, encrypted because I don't want um, just random random neighbors uh, just tuning into our FRS channels and listening into all of uh, the stuff that we would talk about on those radios. So, yeah. So I, I really like everything being encrypted, but it doesn't make you invisible. No, no, absolutely not. And like, you still have to have, you know, um, discipline as far as your RF energy transmissions and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it's almost like a white light in many ways, right? Uh, there's still yeah. going to be discipline, just like anything with sound, with light, with RF transmissions, with anything. You still have to be disciplined when you're using those in a, you know, recce, a mountain environment or some type of non-permissive environment to quote Travis Haley, right? Yes. Something like that. You just got to be careful. Don't want to get yeah. by a guy with a deer rifle or something like that. Yeah. And I think Russia is kind of leading the way with their electronic warfare stuff. Like they are super fast. They were doing stuff a few years ago in Ukraine, maybe three or four years ago now, where they were just finding people with really low power radios and dropping artillery shells right on them in like no time. And that was pretty interesting. There's been a lot of really good um, articles dissecting a lot of these conflicts between you know Ukraine and Russia and a lot of these smaller conflicts and watching how these forces are employing modern technologies that aren't meant to be used in war, but employing them in war, whether it be something as simple as a Mavic 2 drone all the way to, you know, actual military technology. But, it, but like you said, it, it's very telling and very interesting to, to read up on that and, and kind of see the way that that warfare is going, you know, mm. the, the, the information age mixed with, uh, you know, all this very cheap, very effective tech that that's just anybody can get their hands on. Now, can you imagine if, you know, in World War II, you could just have a buy a drone for a thousand dollars, and you can mm, literally yeah. just scout out the enemy line. Like that's huge, and that's now easily accessible for almost anybody. And these drones have huge ranges. Like it's yeah. incredible. It's incredible. How's it going, people? This is Br here, the producer of the Art and War podcast, telling you about the Lads Patreon. Not only do we want to continue improving the quality of what we can do both here on the show and on Instagram, but we also want to elevate what we can do as a team. 
we are looking at pursuing some life-changing goals like acquiring property together and expanding what we can do massively in the future. It's a lofty goal, but one we want to include our audience in to let you know where your greatly appreciated support is going. But what's in it for you? Our Patreon subscribers enjoy five different tiers of exclusive perks, ranging from all of the content the lads would post on a pre-Zuckerberg Instagram, downloadable high-resolution guides, behind-the-scenes info like guest schedules, spicy memes, and at our highest tier, get monthly art commissions created by Nathan himself. You can find our Patreon via the link in this episode's description, or in the Seaburn Art Pages bio on Instagram. Which, which I think kind of brings us neatly back to the, the main topic at hand. What is gun culture? Well, are you asking about gun culture 3.0? Um, 4.0? Kind of like, I mean, I, I like this tangent that we're yeah, going Kind of like how I'm we're just, getting there. You know, eating we're, we're, yeah. popcorn. I, I do think there's also some value in kind of going backwards with technology. Um, and mm-hmm, I saw this yeah. kind of happen with the Taliban and ISIS-K when I, when I was deployed. There's, they, they don't use radios or anything like that. They'll still use... Yeah. Um, you know, runners or carriers, however you want to call it, they'll use like, um, you know, hand signals. They'll, they'll even use mirrors in the sunlight still. Like they still, they, <laughs> they went back primitive because we were able to, um, primitive, we were able to intercept everything that they were doing. Um, mm-hmm, and we were yeah. able to put up, you know, jammers for um, the IED purposes when they were using um, cell phones to detonate stuff. And our our intelligence we had to go down to their level to gather intel on what they were doing when we were you know on the outskirts of of their village we had a guy who knew somebody in that village who would call him on a phone and be like hey what are people doing cuz like we we can't hear them we don't know what they're because they're not talking <laughs> like if they are talking it's you know face to face so everything had to be very low tech and i think in you know if you don't have the money or the means of operating and obtaining these things it is worth going back and seeing what had worked before technology you bring up a lot of really good points um signal mirrors like i man i could talk about that for hours that was like a big thing when we were going through sear because that's how you signal aircraft right and like depending on the size of the signal mirror especially like even the ones that are like the size of like an index card Mm -hmm. correct lighting conditions 10 miles man like you can and like big ones like those big parabolic ones they used in the mil- olden military days like i want to say like depending on terrain and stuff like a huge amount i i i, I want to say 100 but i believe that's that's probably miss me misquoting but 50 miles for sure like incredible ranges on those types of things and getting back to these more primitive skills is everything right and, and like we're touching on in our videos i know that you guys are getting into it as well but like there's definitely a pullback from technology, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because this war has been so centered around quick raids and lots of tech, and it and it's working yes. very well. But that that just because one war is fought that way doesn't mean that all conflicts will fight that way. So, um, taking a look back at like, you know, the Vietnam long range recon patrols, those guys, how do they run things? How much ammo do they carry? How do they communicate? How do they move through the jungle? You know, there's a lot of these. I guess, skills that were lost that we need to kind of reclaim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is kind of what I personally would like to see with uh, gun culture 3.0. We're, we're very gear focused, which Mm -hmm. is, which is good. I I like us to have tools, but I think that we, we compartmentalize too much. And I think that gun culture 3.0 should really be like, everything is a weapon. Everything is a tool. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, 
a little bit less of that compartmentalization. So it's like, we can, we can do Morse code and uh, we're not locked into, we're locked, we're not locked into stuff too much. Do we have encrypted radios? Can we send Morse code over those? Do we have signal mirrors? We can send Morse code over those. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, uh, a lot of flexibility there because we are thinking uh, of everything as a tool, not just getting stuck into like specific gear things. And part of the reason that we're stuck into specific gear things in the United States is because a lot of these things have legal categories. So like yep. your firearms are a special kind of item and they're different from another thing when technically they're not, you know, they're just another type of weapon. They're just another type of tool. And we tend to think of things in these very um, modern legalized categories and America has more freedom than anywhere else, but we still have these things locked into these, these tight categories. And the fact is, you know, this podcast is the most effective weapon that Mitch and Nathan have far more than any of their actual firearm class weapons. And uh, just thinking about these things kind of, non-linearly i forget what the term is but thinking about these things very uh, outside of the box i believe is sort of the future of of gun culture where it's not going to be so focused on like i'm one of those guys who is uh identify as being a silencer owner <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. i identify as being night vision capable hmm. but like just having a, a wider uh, ability to use a whole bunch of different random stuff in toolboxes yeah, the the power that videos or video games, um, you know, people kind of in the industry just talking about things and demonstrating that, hey, like it's no longer about, you know, Punisher skulls and, you know, being the, the sheepdog. It's about, you know, like also having fun. You add this entertainment factor to it so that you can um, have you know, uh, you know, when, when a battle in the culture war where maybe somebody doesn't like guns, but they like how Garand Thumb talks about guns and wears, you know, his doctor's outfit, uh, yeah, yeah, and how he speaks with Ron Jeremy, like <laughs> simple things like that. They all have their place and they all influence things. And I, I totally agree with you. People's voices, you know, be it, you know, our, you know, low level podcast or a high, high tier, high quality, you know, sit down chat with Isaac about, you know, comms and, and land nav, um, they're incredibly valuable and they all have their place. And I think that's kind of what's shaping that next, that next step for a lot of people. Um, it's no longer about, you know, Oh, we're all, we're, we're learning about the really cool high speed stuff, CQB. It's all this great. And and you should learn CQB. Don't get me wrong, but how do you get to that area where you need to conduct CQB? Maybe you have to move through, you know, 15, 15 clicks of dense brush and a mountain and all these other things. How do you, how do you route plan? Route planning is something that I want to talk about more. Um, that how, I, how do you not fucking freeze to death? Yeah. I mean, how are you like beans, bullets, um, all, all those things. And I think they're, people are very excited. I don't want to say short-sighted. I think excited because they see the fun, cool yeah. stuff of small unit tactics. Mm-hmm. They don't think yeah. of how we get to small unit tactics. How are we getting to where we can p- perform, you know, uh, individual squad level drills and and all these other things that I think are getting talked about more and more with you know your your recce videos and mm-hmm. um, just land nav uh, comms. All those things are incredibly valuable to moving the culture forward. That's how it goes. You know, you brought up a really really good um, idea that I want to go back to, and that was um, you know what is your best? I think you said it, Isaac. Um, what is your best weapon? 
right? You said for, for Mitch and Nathan, we have this podcast, right? This this information. And I think that's really important because uh, you touched on it, Mitch, about, you know, what what is drawing people in? And this is kind of what I've gotten at for a long time. And I know you have as well, Isaac, but there's multiple avenues, right? Whether it be through Lucas's videos, you like the way he shoots, you like how he will liken it to, to video games sometimes, how he talks about it from a civilian perspective, that's going to get people, right? Or they watch my stupid Ron Jeremy videos and they go, haha, that's funny. That's hilarious. And we watch it. Or they watch Demo Ranch or they watch Kentucky Ballistics. I, I have a completely different idea of what a two-way advocate is than what I used to have. Because it used to be for me, like a two-way advocate is only someone who like says, you know, you know, fuck the NFA, repeal the NFA, you know, all, all that kind of shit, or you know, fuck the ATF. But I really changed my opinion when I went to this event with um, uh, Demo Ranch and uh, Scott from Kentucky Ballistics. And we were, um, all of our fans came in to, to meet us and all that kind of stuff. And they're way bigger than me. But um, all of um, Demo's and Scott's fans were all like, ages five to like 10. And I was like, I'm like, no, I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. This is the <laughs> youngest generation coming in normalized to firearms. If that's not 2A advocacy, I honestly don't know what is at that point. So everyone's saying that like, well, they'll get on Scott or they'll get on, you know, Matt from Demo Ranch. Be like, oh, they're not saying, you know, repeal these laws. I'm like, there's different ways to approach it. Their audience isn't going to, they're, you know, a seven-year-old kid, you, when you say, fuck the NFA, you know, you know, disband the <laughs> ATF, they're not going to care. But what they are there for is watching that guns are a normal thing to own, that they're a right and that you can own them. There's nothing wrong with that. And that is completely normal, no problems. And as they grow up, they're going to grow up with that same idea. And that's so vitally important. All this content, this microcosm, this ecosystem of firearm content is important in my mind. So mm -hmm. I, I always get really... um Kind of fired up when people say, "Oh, I hate his content because it's not, you know, doesn't help to advocacy." I'm like, "There's so many ways to go about it, and it's so short-sighted to say that it's only one way to do it." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was at a Appleseed uh, shooting event earlier this year, and I will be honest, I was personally very bored while I was there. But my son James, Appleseed people punching the air right now. Well, when I was <laughs> when I was uh, when I was there. Uh, I, I, or rather, I should rephrase. I would have found it bored if I were there by myself. But I was there with my son, James, who was five oh, and a yeah. half at the time. Mm -hmm. He was totally into it. And watching him oh, be so totally cool. into it was yeah. awesome. He was, you know, the, the Ruger 1022 is way too big for him. <laughs> and he <laughs> shot maybe 45 bullets over the course of almost a whole day. But he was, he wasn't just plinking. Like, he was trying to do the stuff that they were doing. And they, these, these range officers who, you know, were uh, FUDs and sticklers for a lot more rules than, than we would like to put up with, were sure. calling out this five-year-old like, hey, you've got to remember to put your safety on. He's like, oh, yes, my safety. Like, it was so fun <laughs> to watch him. And that was exactly what new people needed or, <laughs> or really young people. Even, you know, James has grown up around. Uh, yeah around guns and you know he's even been out at the range when uh, when mike jones of, of celebrated grand thumb fame has been out there That's and uh but uh, but he was at this apple seed event and he was just totally focused on doing the assignment and understanding the assignment and shooting the guns and, and seeing other kids out there so yeah it, it was awesome i loved it <laughs> no that that, that, it, that completely illustrates the point right there's there's a, a time and a place for different types of information and everyone's going to be at a different point in their lives so it's always, you know, you just got to 
if there's one thing I could say to the gun community, like support each other, yep. stop yeah. fighting. Oh my God. Like we have so much, so many other things to fight. Like don't fight each other. Like, good God, please stop. It's a spectrum too. You know, we can be at gun culture 2.0 or 3.0. Somebody can mm-hmm. be, you know, two steps ahead of us already. And then there's somebody that can just be starting now and be at that 1.0 of, all right, shotguns and bolt action rifles, you know? And yeah, cool. we're all at different points and we're all at different stages. I would say a vast majority of all of our audiences are kind of in, you know, transitioning to that next level, you know, where we start becoming that more lethal person um, and not just that one trick pony. I know, I know small unit tactics, but it is very interesting when people start, you know, they enter the gun community and be it simply during the pandemic, they were extremely left their whole life. They were very anti-gun, but during the pandemic and during the riots, they got scared and they're like, Hey, look, like I might need this one day. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get it. And they're on a completely different um, part of the spectrum than you and I are, you know, we're saying fuck the ATF and they're like, (laughs) ATF is good, but I also might need this too. And I'm going to make sure that, you know, we do, we do everything, you know, to the T to the book. And then maybe after times are an uncertain, we're going to sell it. But those are the people we need to be trying to reach out to because it's not, it's not you and me. We're all, we're all kind of, you know, we're there. We're like, we want to move forward. We got all these ideas and plans. We, we have this concept, you know, fuck the ATF. We need to get mm-hmm. the people that aren't there to kind of <laughs> yeah. get a little bit over here. Well, it's precisely what you guys did, Isaac, when you brought out the, uh, the, the Lucas Botkin Japanese clone. <laughs> yes. What's his name? I always forget his name. I actually, uh, uh, out. that's yeah. right, dude, he's so cool. So I actually almost met up with them when I was in, um, I was in Japan uh, not too long ago for some military work, but uh, COVID restrictions are too bad. But I mean, can you talk to that? I think that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that so was, that was really- yeah, that was really awesome uh, for for a number of levels. And I think that I think that there's several reasons that that video is so cool. One is it's just interesting. It's a it's a weird experiment, uh, but also it's fascinating to me, and I think it's fascinating to other people to just watch this clash of cultures. Or not clash, but this this kind of mix of guy who's never shot a gun before, yeah. now shooting a gun, guy who loves guns but hasn't gotten to experience them, getting to and how fun that is. Uh, but also seeing all these other shooters just having a ball with a new person and, and enjoying them. Very wholesome. <laughs> um, and, and all the airsofters get vindicated like, yes, this has value. So... <laughs> So I think I think people just really enjoyed seeing this guy who loved guns but had never gotten to use real guns. He just got to enjoy shooting real guns. And it was also really cool to see Lucas and other real gun people just enjoying watching him enjoy it and just being a part of that was super uh <laughs> was was super fun for everybody that was involved and it's just really fun for um I think people watching that just to see the love of of firearms, but also the love of discipline and learning a skill and stuff like that come out. And everybody was just having a ball that day. Isaac, have you ever seen those, um, like memes where the guy's like, Hey, I'd like to order a pizza. And he's like, yeah, what type of pizza do you want? He's like, Oh, can I get a boneless pizza? Have you seen that stuff? When he says boneless, it's always like boneless. And so it just go. So I was looking up signal near range. Oh, I'm being recorded now, so I got to make sure I get it. I get it right. Okay. Two hundred yeah. miles. Yeah. So 
with like the typical ones that you have, um, like the small ones, like the little pocket ones, about ten miles, and that's that's pretty much it. But those bigger ones, the index card ones, you can do twenty to fifty, and then uh, the really big ones. I think I was reading it's like one hundred and twenty or something, but you'll you'll probably be getting twenty to fifty. But that's incredible when you think of it. Yeah. Like that's that's insane. Like who could have thought? Um, but I feel like I cut you off, Isaac. You were talking about oh. Japanese guy airsoft I, I was, and uh... just crushing it. Yeah, no, I was I was re-recording the bit that my mic messed up, so they could drop okay. it in later if they want. But that was oh, good. that was awesome, and and it was it was a it was such a fun thing that, as great as the video is, the actual day, um, it was just so great being on the range. And I was only on the range for a brief moment in time, slight mm. uh, behind the scenes moment. That was um, we. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but uh, <laughs> but we had a baby the day before. And I just ran out to my parents' house to pick up the kids because they were uh, <laughs> they were at my at my mom's house, which is the range is on the way. So I stopped at the range briefly while I was picking up the kids, and my wife was at home with a new baby. And I stopped by, and it was just like I was having a great day already. But then seeing Liku out on the range shooting and everybody enjoying it so much, uh, yeah, I have super fond memories of that that are related to a whole bunch of other stuff. But that's really yeah, cool. It was awesome. Yeah. But you, th- but you think about it, and I remember a time when if somebody airsofted, they'd be like, oh, shut up, airsofter. You're just an airsofter. Like, screw you. We don't like you. And, oh, you're just, a, you know, you're just LARPing with your stupid airsoft kit. And then Lucas came out that video, and then suddenly people are like, hey, actually, I think you can actually train airsofting. And now you see people like Travis Haley airsofting. You see uh, Mojo. He's airsofting. You see a lot of people. Hell, I just got an airsoft rifle because it just looks fun. And, like... I feel like we're getting a lot. We're shedding a lot of that stupid weight that we had on our on our. Are we going to say community? The community as we kind of, you know, bust through misconceptions and stuff. And I, I just thought it was really cool. Yes, speaking on that stuff, you brought up two points so far this episode that I want to I want to kind of bring up again. So you brought up back when you know Lucas and T Rex T Rex uh, folks were like, "Hey, you want to know? We're going to focus on more the civilian side." At the time. That was a very controversial thing to do because it went against that culture at the time. And much like airsofting, I remember when that, um, you know, the T-Rex crew kind of started to branch into that and people were, it was very controversial at the time then. Um, Is this, is this a well, is this like a, a process and a plan or is this like, how can we reach more people regardless of what people fucking say? I'm just kind of curious, what's what's the driving force behind taking these controversial stances to progress things? Man, there's a lot there. Isaac, do you want to go first? You look like you your your brain's so big. Just go for it, dude. I don't know. Well, <laughs> well it's it's not as strategic as you think. It's not like, well, if we move this Japanese airsofter here, we'll make a 10 million view video that will move the needle this far. But it's it's been more um We've really wanted to uh, equip civilians, so we've really wanted to push specific things, and we've been less interested in pursuing military contracts, for example. Uh, and part of that is not strategic, it's just bandwidth. Like, we don't have the bandwidth to do both, and we prioritize one over the other. And that just naturally leads to certain interests, and certain interests lead to us making certain types of content. So it hasn't been nearly as strategic as it probably could have been. <clears throat> and the other thing is, I feel like we get a lot of credit for certain things that have happened in the industry. And 
people are like, they started that wave. And it's like, I don't know. We, we definitely surfed that wave. Like that's definitely <laughs> the wave that we wanted to be on. And we kind of, you know, with body armor, we, uh, we talked about body armor a lot, but we weren't alone in that. And then when 2020 happened and everyone was like, oh, it's time for civilians to own body armor. Everyone was like, ah, T-Rex made that happen. I don't think we made that happen, but we definitely did position ourselves by having had talked about it a lot. But we weren't the only ones. There were a bunch of people talking about body armor, selling body armor. But that wave was going to break, I think, regardless. And it was just the people who had paddled out into the right spot that, uh, that caught it. Nice. You know, I think there's a lot to it, too. Um, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, what's what's good training, right? What's going to add and what's going to build up the community in my mind? And so there's a lot of things that were, you know, firearm related, that were 2A related, that were training related, that just weren't done because there was a stigma. Because at some point, some, uh, you know, how would you say it? Like the think tank, not, not a think tank, but I don't know, a, a person of interest, somebody who was big in the community said that this was stupid. Somebody somewhere was like, hey, airsofting is stupid because I served in the military. Or it's stupid because, uh, you know, we shoot real guns and that's just dumb. And then, uh, you know, just through um, recognizing that it could be good for small unit tactics and to also just have fun. You know, we're like, no, it's, it's kind of cool. And all it really took was. Uh, you know, somebody to put that thought out there who's influential enough to have kind of move that needle. So uh, in the case, you've got like people like Mojo, you got people like Lucas coming out and being like, no, like Airsoft is fun. Like, just play it. Like, who cares what people think about it, you know? And everyone's like, yeah, that was pretty dumb. And, you know, the same thing goes for like video games. Like, I remember when everyone was like, no, no, like video games and guns, like guns are serious. Video games are not serious. Like, like meanwhile, no, I've talked about it in the past, but like, I got into guns because I played Goldeneye on Nintendo 64, and I thought those guns are super cool. And I'm like, I want to hit him. I don't, yeah, I don't know what a KF7 Soviet is, but I want one. And uh, you know, and and you have people get into it. So you know, for a lot of for a lot of you know what we see with like changing, pulling the needle and stuff, I think it's just stuff that's already going to be beneficial for a community and just people having the guts to say, no, this is cool. This is good to do. Like, why, why are we not doing this right now? And it just takes somebody to say that and, and, and for people to really, you know, look at it and be like, no, this is cool. Yeah. Airsoft's cool. No, video games are cool. Recce's cool. Fieldcraft is cool, you know, and who knows, maybe we'll hit a dark age again in like 10 years where it completely reverses and it's back to Mark 18 and CQBs and CQB, you know, who knows? Who knows? But for right now, I think we're in a really, we're in a really good point in our in our culture. It's it's very much like a spectrum, and there is there is a time and a place to be serious about firearms yeah. and, and 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 tactical training, and then there's also a time and a place where you just got to show that it's fun, um, yeah. and that's the most yeah. important thing when it comes to firearm ownership for me. I mean. It's really fucking fun to go out <laughs> and like tomorrow I'm doing it. I'm bringing a Mosin. I'm bringing two Mosins and like 400 <laughs> rounds of ammo and we're printing yeah. out a big Chungus target and we're just going to oh. go, we're just going to go, you know, shoot big Chungus and maybe I'll print out a, you know, a Ron Jeremy one. But you should. It's just, it's just fun to do. And you have to have that balance because if you're serious all the time about something, people that want to get involved, they're going to see like, oh shit, I can't be involved in this unless I am at this level already. There's no entry yeah. level to it. Yeah. And well, think about, no, sorry, no, 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 go ahead. Well, think about how, you know, one thing that we basically always do. And when we talk to someone, we ask how they got into guns. 
and how they actually got into this community. And almost everyone, without exception, said one of two things. They had a 22 when they were young, or they played video games. 90% of them, you know, started on something simple and fun. Their dad brought them a 22. They played GoldenEye. They played Call of Duty. I think I think yeah. my big tipping point was Modern Warfare 2 and getting a 177 BB rifle when I was a kid. Well, like we've talked about before, you know, one minute you're five and watching Kentucky Ballistics run over watermelons. And then, you know, before you know it, you're 21 living in your basement watching Paul Harrell. You know, it's a vicious cycle, <laughs> but but we got there. But yeah, I mean, like we've talked about, everything's in a spectrum. But I'm I'm so on board with where we are as a as a culture right now, as far as our gun culture is concerned, that I love it, man. And Mitch, you brought up a really good point about being serious with the firearm, and that's really important because there is a distinct difference between people who know firearms and people who don't know firearms but still do things with firearms. Alec Baldwin, let's talk about it. Yeah, yes. Let's talk about Alec Baldwin. Oh, man. All right. Uh, did not pull the trigger, Alec Baldwin. It's not my fault, Alec Baldwin. Sentient so you hear gun, this a Alec lot, right? Baldwin. So he's saying right now, he said, I didn't pull the trigger. I would never do that while pointing the gun at somebody, right? But n- people who are in the firearms world and who know guns, we know that there were a multitude of rules that were broken to get to the point where a round was put through somebody's chest. Like it really takes a lot to get to that point. So, you know, people like us, like I'm never going to point a firearm at somebody. It's, it's just insane. And on top of that, on that weapon to make it, uh, for it to fire, it can't just fire. The hammer has to be cocked. It's a, it's an actual motion that you must do. And so what it sounds like is he thumbed it back. And as you know, you got to be careful when you're thumbing those back because if those slip, they will, they do have enough energy to detonate that primer and to, uh, you know, fire that round. And so that's apparently what happened to him. And now he's saying, well, it wasn't my fault. They didn't pull the trigger. I'm like, no, this is a hundred percent your fault. You released the hammer. That that's the same thing, you know? And it's these people who just don't know, they just don't know these rules of firearm safety. They, they, they're not, into guns like we are they don't understand them and it, it's so frustrating when they then uh turn the blame for themselves They're like well i didn't know this well enough therefore uh, it's definitely the gun's fault yeah, it, there is a huge amount of people who think i can buy this gun that i saw in black hawk down and <laughs> i'm good movie. to go that's it you know i'm 14 yeah i i, I saw somebody <laughs> you know uh do you know small unit tactics with this rifle um, I own this rifle now, therefore I am, I have all those capabilities that I see everybody else doing. And it always starts. I, I, I say this even to my young soldiers now, whenever we're about to go train, they're like, Sergeant, we already know, you know, basic firearm safety, our weapons are already zeroed. And I'm like, yeah, but we're going to fucking establish this baseline today before we start doing this stuff, because <laughs> it doesn't matter how trained you are. Complacency will kill people. And there's events that happen all the time, even in, you know, some mid to high tier level of operators who do this for a living. There's accidents that happen because people get complacent and people forget that the basic fundamentals are so important and they need to be established and practiced all the time. Um, and, and I think that gets overlooked by people that get very excited. And I love, I love the excitement to want to go out and buy that gun and to get out and start doing stuff. But before you start doing that CQB with your friends, you need to get out there, practice basic firearm safety, 
make sure those weapons are properly zeroed and that you can properly manipulate that weapon safely. And safety, I, I can't, safety, safety, safety. I'm not going to keep going you know, down this range and no, tangent. You're 100% right. And actually, Isaac, um, this is something uh, that I talked with Lucas about. And actually, I changed the way I did my videos back in the day because of this discussion. Because um, I used to start and do all my videos back in 2017. I'd say, uh, don't forget the most important part is looking cool, right? I'd always say that. That was like my thing. And everyone would laugh about it. But, um, you know, I was talking to Lucas about it and we were talking about culture and stuff. And he was, we were just talking about training. And, uh, you know, his big thing was, hey, I want to really push people to get training. And I, I kind of realized, I was like, man, I think I'm, I think I'm doing this wrong, dude. I, I think I'm yeah, approaching this the wrong way. Like, it's funny to say, you know, uh, you know, look cool and stuff. But at the end of the video, the people who are getting this far are genuinely interested in information and genuinely probably, probably want to get better. And so we changed it, you know, we changed it to, Hey, get training from, you know, a lot of the guys that mean you guys know, you know, like Cogworks and Bear Solutions, all great guys who are, who are well vetted and, and kind of changing that mindset from, Hey, buy this gun to look cool to, Hey, buy this gun because you want to train a shit ton with it. Yes, train yeah. until the barrel fails, train until the bolt shears and breaks, train until you have to buy a whole new weapon because you have put so many hours on this weapon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I didn't actually notice the change because... I rarely finish your videos. <laughs> no, I, I actually <laughs> knew that had happened. I remember, podcast is over. I remember you, you, you fondly just, the, uh, yeah. the important thing is looking cool. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you just it, watched the logo you made and just shut it off. Yeah, you watch. He's like, still using my logo. That's right, Mike. X is it out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> just got to check. You're just gonna, I'm just going to get a bill for every video it's in. You're like, so. <laughs> just, where's my residual, Mike? This is my property, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I think that part of the, the, the training and safety issue, obviously they go together, but I think they also go together with sort of destigmatizing guns because uh, Ooh, yeah. if we can just turn guns back into tools, like mm -hmm. a, a firearm is not a magical talisman. It doesn't protect you just because you have it and you don't get good at shooting it just because you're holding it. Like it is like any other tool. It is like a sword. It is like a car. It is like anything else that is a mechanical object that you got to know how to use. And I think that we have fallen into this trap of like guns are their own special category of thing. You know, there's there's the spiritual realm, there's the physical realm, and then there's guns in the middle. There's guns, a little, <laughs> yeah, a little holy, holy trinity with the guns there in the middle. No, you're not wrong, man. That that is certainly a thing, and you you can see that even even today. You know, like I put out a video on the SR15, and it immediately turned into people using my video to like justify that their weapon was better than anybody else's. You know, but but that's that's not what people should be arguing about. Like I I. I I saw one of the discussions going on Facebook and somebody's like, well, um, you know, Knight's Armament is better than LMT, which is better than Daniel Defense. And, and then Noveski fits in there somewhere. And here's Radian. And, and if you have a BCM, you're just going to die. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, what what does it matter what weapon you have if you can outshoot the, the piece of shit next to you? Like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, if I sit down or I go to a competition, somebody's like, hey, check out my Knight's Armament SR15 or check out XYZ super expensive build. And then I completely destroy that guy in the in the shooting competition. I don't care what gun he has, because like you said, Isaac, it's more about the training. It's my it's about your capabilities, not not so much about about the weapon. Have a good weapon. Sure. But like 
man, if you can't push that weapon, it doesn't matter. It's like it's like a pair of golf clubs. Buy the best golf clubs yeah. known to mankind, and if you can't golf, yeah. you're still going to have a really bad game of golf, you know. And it doesn't matter. And I think that there's like it even gets worse than that because there's a confidence that comes, like as mm. Mitch was talking about. This mm. is part of the reason that when guys and girls go out to shoot, a lot of times the girl shoots better with less experience because she's like, oh, this is a gun. I have to hold it. I have to aim it. I have to pull the trigger. And guys are like, this is a gun. I am now John Wick. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, there's, there's a, a, a whole you know chunk of cultural baggage that's attached to firearms when guys pick them up. And, and uh, a lot of times girls are able to just be like, okay, so we aim down the sights. We pull the trigger. We try not to move it while the trigger is being pulled. I'll focus on those things. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, it also comes down to, it's like cars, right? Like, a, a, a guy is supposed to be good at certain things. A guy must be able to change a tire. A a guy must be able to cook a steak. And a guy must be able to shoot a gun with zero instruction because that's just something that you know how to do because it's expected that you know how to do this before you show up anywhere, right? You show up to, you you, you buy a steak and you're the person hosting it. You're expected to grill the steak and know how to do it. Just like you know, you're expected to know how to shoot a gun. So I, I see the same thing. It's like the guy, it's both John Wick and both the expe- cultural expectation that as a man in the United States, you should know how to shoot. And then if they don't, they're like, I'm just going to wing it. Yeah. But they, they I, I've, I've seen a lot of Bruce Willis movies. I got this. It, yeah. And not only do they just wing it, they'll wing it with such false confidence and it's unsafe. <laughs> Um, and yeah. speaking of Daniel Defense real quick, they might sponsor the podcast. So buy a Daniel Defense and uh, you will be better at shooting than anybody else. Um, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, you were saying? Approved. You were saying something, Nathan, then I cut you off because I'm an awful podcast host. I, I don't oh. remember. You got into the Daniel Defense well, thing and I, I, I just some, uh, it went out of my head. Or, in one year or start talking more when you're a little yeah. bit more drunk. You vibing? Go I, get a I, white I, one, Nathan. You know, enjoy it. I, I love you, Nathan. You're wonderful. You're, you're wonderful. Hmm. Yeah, I'm vibing. Uh, you know, I try not to drink more than once a week. Maybe I'll have a single white claw. Just one. Uh, there is there is definitely a huge problem, I think, especially with veterans more than more than a lot of people where people have the, the military does a great job of installing confidence into people that should not have confidence in a lot of things. And I'm not saying the military doesn't make you good at stuff because it can help you get good at stuff. But you think of what the average, I'm not talking about, you know, some of these high tier level operators. I'm talking, think of, you know, the average soldier and their experience. They go to the qual range once every six months, once every six months, and they, you know, qualify on a flat range. They're shooting, a, you know, a, an alt C qual paper from like 15 meters away and they're given 50 rounds and they won't even do it the proper way. And then they're like, look, I shot expert. Um, I am an <laughs> expert on shooting. I am very confident in CQB. I'm going to get out of the military and I'm going to teach everybody the right way to do things. And because I'm in the military, I'm confident people will be confident in me. And I, I, I want to really harp and, and say that your military experience and perspective can help and can give you a perspective. But like we were talking about with guys in general, when it's kind of expected of you to know how to do this, you should not have this false confidence if you aren't actually trained and actually proficient. 
Um, I wouldn't even consider myself proficient. I'm always learning. Mm-hmm. I'm always, always, always learning. I'm, I, if I don't know something, or even if I think I know something and somebody also kind of knows something, I'm going to listen to what they have to say because maybe they'll know something that I don't. Um, yeah. and, what were you saying? The military yeah. does a really, really good job <laughs> Great of instilling a lot of false confidence. You know, it, it's a lot of stuff was brought up there. The, um, yeah. I, I, you know, so a lot of the uh, guys I worked with in the military, um, like a lot of the scout guys and striker guys who do the scout stuff, they've been awesome shooters, man. Like these guys are getting after it. And it's all it's all individual, right? How is this squad handling themselves and conducting themselves? And I've worked with some really stellar guys. You know, the, the thing that always gets me is you, like randomly in Instagram, you'll get sent like a, a page and you'll go to it. And this guy is teaching the most off the wall craziest disarms <laughs> craziest tactics you've ever seen and you're like detroit does. why are dude honestly and i'm like why are people listening to this guy and then sure enough he's like hey i was in the military when you really dig you know delve deep it was nothing combat related it was nothing that had anything to yeah. do with firearms but they they use that military moniker to, to boost themselves up and that's yeah stupid. I, was, I was a cook in the navy just <laughs> like uh, steven Seagal 20 years experience <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, he's completely qualified in my mind. Whatever happened, whatever happened to Steven Seagal? He's Steven in Russia. He's, he's in still Russia. making movies. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he a deputy okay, for on. a little while? Yes, he was a deputy. Yeah, okay, down he was south. a deputy, but re, re fucking wind. He's in Russia now. <coughs> yeah, he's in Russia. He's a. He's a. <laughs> it's actually kind of hilarious to see pictures of him with Vladimir Putin because Putin is very small, and yeah. Steven Seagal is extremely large right now. <laughs> What? <clears throat> yeah, he, oh yeah. No, he's got a Russian passport. Like he's kind of a cultural uh, ambassador of Russia, or or to. I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> it's weird. He does stuff. We are like oh that. Like Dennis Rodman has... did shit with um, Kim Jong Un. Like it's it's strange. Dude, we live in the weirdest timeline. We, this is the weirdest timeline. Also, also apparently <laughs> he has uh, a lavender. You guys are screwing with me at this point. Nine hundred ninety-five like, acres. No, I swear to God. Oh, he he lost in two thousand seven, but he uh he has a line of therapeutic oils and Tibetan goji berries. <laughs> That's clinical. He also uh, he had a blues album at one point, but he was playing blues on like some ethnic instrument. I forget which. It's yeah. It's kind of, at, at this point. At first, it was like, oh, Steven Seagal, don't be weird. Just keep making awesome action movies. And I was like, no, Steven Seagal, be weird. Yeah. This is better. <laughs> this is way better, man. How do we get into Steven Seagal? This is my fault. <laughs> well, one of the things that is interesting to me that is uh, kind of frustrating occasionally is I will be talking to um, military guys or ex-military guys, and they have uh, fascinating experiences that I want to hear about, but they're talking about weapons or military hardware or fighting stuff that yeah. they have some false confidence in, or maybe they were a truck driver and they want to tell me about uh, advanced weapony stuff. <laughs> And it's like, well, you, and I don't want to say like, no, sorry, don't tell me about the, uh, how, how great the 249 is. I have one yeah. and it's not yeah. amazing. Uh, <laughs> but, but do tell me about stuff that you saw in Fallujah. Like, do tell yeah. me stuff that you saw on the road. Tell me, tell me yeah. what it was like being in that culture. Tell me what, what, uh, what was happening on, on, on base. Tell me some of the experiences that you have that are utterly unique to you and your time in Afghanistan at that exact moment. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a straight up warrior, dude. I just fight and I just shoot. It's like, 
what a what a missed opportunity, you know, for for me to have a cool conversation. Yeah, <laughs> but, dude. Um, yeah, and it and it brings up like good stuff too. Like, um, a lot of these people have really compelling, very interesting information to to tell us about. You know tracking counter tracking ambushing counter ambushing movement techniques like stuff that you wouldn't be able to to get from you know living a mostly civilian life like i think about my time as a uh, survival guy in the in the air force which was incredible and i got to spend for a long you know a couple of years i was in the woods you know just out there for at minimum one week out of the month usually closer to two sometimes even three if i did back to back and that's a lot of time to be spending working on your field craft, working on the way you move over twigs and, and how you, you know, crack branches and watching for tracks and counter tracking and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's stuff that you can't always get because typically in the real world, you have to have a job and you can't be out there for those periods of time. So that was a really unique thing that I was able to get in the military. And I'm like, that's cool knowledge that you can gain. You know, that's really cool stuff. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is frustrating that we have this culture yeah. that takes, veterans or even combat veterans and, and says what you bring to the table is weapons proficiency. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe they have just incredible uh, other experiences or information or knowledge to pass on. And they mm-hmm. should be doing something more interesting than teaching rifle 101 at yeah. random, random places or starting coffee companies. And I also blame, I also blame our culture for that somewhat, you know, where right now, what is, what is sexy or what was sexy for the longest time was, you know, you teach your your super high speed rifle course. You know, and that that's what mm-hmm. was sexy for so long. And what would have been less sexy was, um, I'm going to teach you movement to the objective 101. <laughs> you know, yeah. like no no one wants to hear about that. You're like, hey, in today's uh, you know one week class, we're going to uh, travel approximately 40 kilometers a day with a 50 pound pack, and we're going to infill in. You know, actually, that does sound really cool when I think about it. But yeah, it, it sounds cool now because people are kind of getting into it. But you know, the culture shifts. You know, so it, it, I'm hoping with a lot of this culture shift that we can get a lot of this really cool information that a lot of re- uh, really stellar guys have um, out there. You know, we, we can learn more about a lot of the stuff. I remember when I was first getting into the military, um, one of my instruct, excuse me, one of my professors in college was a, um, former, uh, Vietnam LL, excuse me, long range recoil, recon patrol guy. God, I can't talk right now. And, uh, I would just pick his brain for hours and hours and just learn about, you know, uh, living in the jungle and moving through the jungle combat loadouts. And it was so interesting to me, you know, becoming the whole ghost of the, of the jungle there, you know, blending in and becoming one with it and trying not to disturb it and tracking and counter tracking patrols. It's such information, interesting information and such valuable information that, um, you know, that you can get from, you know, these Vietnam guys and now from, a lot of these guys coming out of this, you know, 20 year period of, of GWAT experience. There's so many um, valuable experiences that we that we can get and hopefully not lo- learn the uh, lose these lessons learned. Mm, yeah, um, I was just talking with Redbeard Tactical um, yesterday. Yeah, he, if, you, if you don't know him, oh, he's a, like him. it's a yeah. German and Austrian and then one other guy. Then they kind of uh, one was a, a recce guy. One was a seer guy over in Europe. And we were oh, talking sick. we. At one point, him and I were both yeah. on the same base, not only in Afghanistan together, but in Germany. Um, 
And we were talking about the patrolling academy. This this was the very first thing I ever did after um, after um, I got out of basic and airborne school. I did the patrolling academy in Hohenfeld, Germany, with my with my unit. And at the time, I didn't really understand the skills that I was learning and the you know perspective that I was being opened up to. I was like, holy shit! I don't remember if it was like ten or twenty days. All the days blended. It was miserable. We walked around the mountains of Germany, constantly getting fragged on different operations. So it was like, <laughs> we're moving here. Don't be seen by Op Four. Oh, Frago! Now we're going to move to this other side of the mountain. And <laughs> it was it was like this for less than twenty days, whatever it turned out to be. And it was fucking miserable. It was so miserable. But when I look back on training like that, I find it more. Oh, it depends on the situation, I guess. I find it just as valuable as when we were doing, you know, CQB training up in Ukraine in old abandoned um, Soviet concrete hotels. Like it was equal, less, more, uh, I guess that's a perspective, but that type of stuff that in the moment you're like, this sucks (laughs) is so, so incredibly valuable. Um, just moving through the mountains and land navving and learning how to be quiet, dealing with one, one MRE a day and having to eat the salt packet because you're so dehydrated and your body's not absorbing things. Nice. Get fucked, Mitch. It was <laughs> first thing I did. I was the only private that made it through. Everybody else dropped out. They were right. getting injured or actually injured. And, uh, I was super proud of that. I was, I was a one private to, to make it with the other NCOs. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> incredible. I got so, to make fun of everybody yeah. for it. I'm I, I have to say, oh, go ahead. I'm a huge fan of Redbeard Tactical, and I love oh, the yeah. stuff that he's bringing out. Uh, and I love yeah, what he's doing on Instagram. Like, yeah, he, they need to have that stuff in a book. But today, like, he does this all the time. He has this long series of Instagram stories with quizzes. And so today's was like, you have been shot down behind enemy yeah. lines, or, or I forget the scenario, but you're stuck behind enemy lines. You have an unencrypted radio with very little battery. You have a map, you have this, you have this. What's your first move? And there's the four questions. And I love doing those because they are so fascinating. And they're things that I don't know 90% of the time I get the wrong answer always. And uh, But they're so fascinating because there's stuff that are, is outside of that CQB realm. Uh, but it is stuff that is so interesting and useful and yeah. valuable. And, and not just valuable in wartime, but like this would be stuff that you would want to have in the back of your brain for other emergency scenarios, just ways that you want to efficiently get places or talk to people. Um, and then obviously if wartime happens, you really want that stuff in the back of your brain. Yeah. yeah. He's tracking, counter tracking, you know, love advancing to, to contact, all of those things. He puts out really, really good content. Cool. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Knowing how to break contact is very important for me because I know I'm going to run away. So I might as well just make sure that I do it the right way. <laughs> That's, good. That's a good point. Now here, here's a question for you, Isaac. Um, I'm going to pivot slightly. So gun culture has changed a lot and you know, who has not changed with the culture, the NRA. Ah, What, what does, what does the future of gun? Oh, dude, we're going to do it, dude. My question is like, what, what does, as gun culture has changed completely, a lot of these gun rights organizations have not. And so like for the NRA, like what, what does their future look like? Like what, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, I mean, you guys are pretty, you guys are pretty fiery on this type of stuff. So I love hearing about it. (laughs) Well, I, it's there. There's two answers. One is 
the the bigger organization that relies on our grandparents for donations isn't going to be around for very long because our grandparents aren't going to be able to continually give the money. Um, and the culture war has has changed and they have not caught up. So I think that the larger organization of the NRA is going to fall apart eventually. But they have enough cultural momentum that, I don't know, there will probably be NRA magazines and NRA stuff for a while. But where they are actually successful is more at the local level. So yeah. um, when we were fighting this, this one ammo tax in Tennessee, we actually got tremendous help from the local NRA lobbyist. Uh, she was fantastic. She was everything that you know the upper echelon uh, yeah. NRA folks are not. So the good news is that there, there are people like that who will go and, and fight the fights that, that need fighting and will find people to ally with if the big NRA goes away. But I think stuff will just pop up. And there are, there are older, um, there are older uh, organizations like Gun Owners of America that I think have stayed really, uh, they've stayed, I, I wouldn't say that they have stayed true to like an old fashioned concept and now they need to change, but like their principles were, their principles were really solid to begin with. So even if they failed to change for certain cultural stuff, they still were in the right. So like the NRA yeah. made some significant missteps when they did things like, oh, well, it's scary when we talk about weapons. So let's stop calling firearms weapons and start calling them sporting rifles. And that was like a nice little pragmatic sidestep in the 1950s, maybe. But yeah. it turned into a massive mistake to not yep. just stick to your guns, so to speak. 100%. So there, there have been, I think, more faithful organizations like Gunners of America who they were right in the past and they're still right and they haven't needed to make cultural changes. Uh, but then there's, there's opportunities that open up for new organizations. Mm -hmm. But I think that a lot of that eventually goes away, hopefully, because what would be great is if there were organizations like the NRA that didn't do our work for us so that we could just sit at home and send them 20 bucks uh, a month to, to solve our problems for us. But if they just helped us organize so we could actually do the work that we should personally be responsible for. Yeah. That I think is really important. And we're getting to the point now where uh, maybe only now is gun culture 3.0 ready for that. Cause our grandparents didn't want to lobby for super basic, obvious second amendment stuff. They just wanted to send 20 bucks to the NRA and let them talk to the politicians. And we're now at the point where we've got to really take, yeah. no know, we've got to carry some of this water ourselves. And so <laughs> an organization that helps us organize to do that better is more useful than an organization that says, just send in your 20 bucks and it's handled. Don't worry about it. Go back to your, go back to your Netflix. <laughs> well, I, that brings up another question too, is, you know, along with the NRA, you have a lot of companies um, also that were kind of, uh, I think complicit is the right word with a lot of the missteps that the NRA made. And so the yeah, question is, true. so the question is like, how do we treat these companies? Because uh, this question has been posed to me, like we take companies like Ruger, uh, Springfield and a couple others that have made kind of serious uh, uh, political missteps. And, you know, where, how do we, what do we do? Do we, is this uh, a company where we're like, hey, remember that time you did that? No forgiveness. Or is it <laughs> like, hey, Ruger's changed. You know, how do we, how do we, what do you do? I, I honestly don't know. Uh, because especially with some of these giant companies, like some of the big gun companies get bought and sold mm -hmm. and they're owned by different people and they're owned by like 100% political enemies, <laughs> uh, or, or giant, you know, they're owned by ginormous financial companies that, that hate firearms and firearms freedoms. 
but there's people that work there that don't and they get bought and sold and it's really hard to really hard to actually figure out is it good to buy the Springfield uh, high point or are we still not buying Springfield because of that thing that happened one time that's a really tough one. Oh, sorry. Springfield high, high point. Ah, I know. The, it, I know it doesn't uh, exist, but I want one. <laughs> I, would I make one. this mistake on a relatively regular basis. No. Sorry, go on. I think from a, the perspective of myself, I'm I'm probably the newest person to the modern day gun culture. I think out of everybody here, just three or four years ago, I was. One paycheck away, this is back when I was making, making bad financial decisions um, as a young person in the military who had more money than he ever really knew what to do. I was one paycheck away from signing up for the NRA just a couple of years ago because I didn't, I didn't know better. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I'm like, yeah, I like guns. Yeah. The NRA says they like guns. And I didn't look at the history of the verbiage that some people and companies have used like with sporting rifles and it's, it's about hunting and that seeing that narrative being pushed, I didn't think too much of it until I was introduced to, I think it was GPC at the time. Mm. And it was kind of a rabbit hole from there. And I, I started to be like, yeah, why are we even arguing about hunting? This was never about hunting. The discussion should not be about hunting. The, we should not mm-hmm. be talking about sporting rifles or hunting rifle. That's not the verbiage we should be using because uh, the, it's irrelevant. We're arguing things that, you know, sure, I'm not saying hunting and sporting um, doesn't matter. I'm saying for the sake of gun rights and individual rights and liberty, that discussion is irrelevant. The, the purpose of firearms ownership and those inherent rights is to protect those inherent rights, to protect yourself, your family, your liberty. And, and that narrative that kind of drifted um, from that to sporting and hunting, I didn't think anything of it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, cool. it's easy to say like, look, if we want to bring people into this culture, hunting is a great way to do it. But what was actually happening was the Second Amendment is about overthrowing governments. So Hell yeah, Isaac. Let's, uh, let's make the conversation yes. be about hunting. That Fuck way yes. uh, we don't have to like really get down to brass tacks with the Second Amendment. And so like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a good faith way to use – basically it goes down to are you using hunting as an on-ramp to talk about the Second Amendment? Are you using hunting as an off-ramp from the Second Amendment that you're then going to use to take people's guns yeah. away later? Is kind of the question in my mind. Yeah, I think we can all agree, though, that anytime somebody says the word or a company uses the word modern sporting rifle, a angel loses its wings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty bad. But, you know, I, I do yeah. consider that a cultural win while we're kind of on yeah. that topic, yeah. because you rarely see a company saying modern sporting rifle anymore. Like it's, I've actually, yeah, I've been really impressed. Um, the last SHOT Show, and I don't think I'm going to this one, but the last SHOT Show, I was actually going around and looking at everybody's slogans and uh yeah even companies that used to be iffy on this like springfield hellcat had like a like a hardcore uh self-defense and defense of others tagline like there people were leaning into stuff Um, you love to see it and it's that cultural war war that we're all winning we're winning yeah and and i think how we handle that you know when companies do that i think we we have to look at it from two different perspectives. From one perspective, they could be kind of like how I was where, oh, you know, 
we don't really know too much about it, but we do make and sell guns. And maybe some people that work for us have really strong feelings about it one way or the other, but you know, we're, we're just going to go about it. And then they legitimately make a change. But, and then the other, and the other side, there's some companies that, you know, blow whichever way the money's blowing and Mm -hmm. you don't, it's hard to determine what is legitimate and what is not when you're at a level of, you know, that 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 size of a company and that that amount of influence and power and relevancy yeah and it's i think it is good to be uh not super cynical i try not to be super cynical but there's things like um springfield is continuing to make the xd and not the xd 2.0 because it's on the the california gun roster so californians can keep buying this gun so they're continuing to import it and are they doing that simply because California is a big market? Are they doing that because they want Californians to be armed? Uh, I don't know. But the end result of this decision is Californians are buying a gun that they can actually buy and actually have, and it's actually better than nothing. So I try not to be super cynical about, ah, oh, they're only in it for the money. There's just a possibility that there are bean counters making money decisions, and there's people you know, working somewhere in Springfield who are really excited about how many thousand XDs are ending up in the hands of Californians. So it's, yeah, I don't know exactly how to handle that (laughs) charitably, but cautiously, uh, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) I'm, I'm in with this. I think that I agree with you. That's a, that's a tough topic. Yeah. And I do think that we need to be big enough. Our, Our culture desperately wants everything to be binary. Uh, especially the non-binary gender people want everything else to be binary. <laughs> yeah, we're going uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's shocking. The, uh, the 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 tolerance people are insanely intolerant of certain things, mm. and so everything has to be one way or the other way. And so it's too complicated. Like if you say, "Hey, Wayne Lapierre is should not be running the NRA," they're like, "Oh, well." Is they have they done nothing good ever? How dare you? And then if you point yeah. out like, well, you know, there was a there was a NRA lobbyist who probably doesn't want her name mentioned on this podcast who was awesome <laughs> and tremendously helpful to T Rex and wanted to help us get a thing done. And people are like, what are you saying that while Wayne Lapierre is okay and everything that he does is fine? How dare you? So <laughs> uh, there's got to be <laughs> some room for like actual factual mm-hmm. <laughs> accuracy. And, uh, and understanding here. <laughs> well, we, we kind of talked with, um, with Mike about it last episode. The amount of money in the industry is it, – it's crazy the amount of money that gets passed behind you know, uh, mm-hmm. closed doors or even, even publicly. But I think it's a similar yeah. sense when it comes to companies and how we treat them. There's a lot of you know, influential people out there that take a lot of money to push something that you know, maybe they knowingly are being disingenuous about, or maybe they just are uneducated. And it's the same way. I don't know the right way how to treat people like that because there's people within our own community that took a little bit too long to not support the NRA and some of the things that they're saying anymore. Or maybe they talked about Olight and they didn't know that Olights were just little pocket IEDs, (laughs) you know? Or maybe they did, but they're like, hey, this money is good. So I do think that cautiously is, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think cautious they, they throw a is lot of the right approach. And yeah. I, I try and relate it down to the simplest level that I can because I'm a simple-minded individual. Thinking at a company level and then like an influential person's level and then my level. And I, I, I can't think of the right way on how to go about it because there's so mm. much nuance. And yeah, people- and, I, and I will say, you know, T-Rex is not a big company, but- as big as T-Rex is, 
we we make a lot of mistakes. Stuff falls through the cracks. Like it would be really easy for me to imagine scenarios in which all of the terrible things that happen in the industry happen honestly <laughs> by accident. <laughs> and I know that's not true, but my I can also think of ways in which that mistake could have been made honestly by an intern who didn't know this or didn't know that. Like I see that stuff happening in her own company, uh, <laughs> ordinarily avoiding stuff like that happening in her own company. And so I, I, I want to be cautiously optimistic if that's the right way to put it. Dude, this whole, this whole adult thing is very difficult. It's very complex. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very this, complex. This whole adult There's really thing. A, a yeah. whole lot that goes into it. And I know we've touched on this topic before, but I mean, you said it pretty well, Isaac. It's, I mean, I'm still right here counting the money that you guys paid me before this podcast to make sure I say nice things. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Can I get some of that money? <laughs> carry the one. Yeah, yeah carry the one. Um, I don't know. I think despite everything, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of problems that that I kind of wanted to bring up. You know, like the NRA is, is something that's troublesome to me and a couple of the other companies that, that you think of. But I, yeah. I think overall we're in a good direction. Um, a lot of the big companies that I – when I, not big, but like I would say influential companies. I think of companies like Badger Ordnance and Noveski and Daniel Defense and um, oh, you yes. know, Knights Armament and LMT. They're going a good, like a really good direction. I consider these good companies doing good things. I'm sure somebody's going to hop in and be like, well, did you know in the year 2005 that Knights Armament donated? I, who knows, right? Yeah. Daniel but, Defense did a thing one time, and I couldn't no, get their guns No, no, no. Let's not talk about yeah. Daniel Defense, potential sponsors of the show. Daniel Defense <laughs> no, no, has no, never no. done anything wrong. They are great. I have a, I have a Daniel Defense PDW uh, chambered in 300 blackout, and I have yet to shoot it because – it's chambered in 300 blackout. <laughs> At this point, I now own more 300 blackout oh, yeah. guns than ammo. But ten dollars so a bullet. I'll send you some 300 if Lucas can't spare any for you. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I just can't bear to shoot it. It's, it's yeah, too valuable. I, I, I know, I know. But I, I think that a lot of these big companies are being run by people who get it. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. who understand it. Like I, I've, I talking with these guys and kind of i guess seeing at the ground level like i see good things i'm really excited about the direction because like actually i think lmt just stopped making them but the m203s like they were making those and selling those as civilians that was awesome you know Mm because they they also made them for the government they're just like hey yeah here you go like that used to be a thing that back in the day uh if you had a government contract you would not sell that shit to civilians because you made enough money but they're doing cool things like companies like be myers making a civilian version of the mall you know there are, there are a lot of good things happening despite mm-hmm, yeah. all, all the other stuff. So I, that's, that's yeah. certainly not just, you know, you know, you know, me and T-Rex armed people like doing all that. Cause that's been a huge cultural shift that's occurred with multiple other really influential individuals. I can't even name all, all of them. There's so many good guys out there, but it's good. We're in a yeah. good place, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even politically, like just if you if you look at the yeah. number of states that have constitutional carry now compared to ten years ago, the number of states that allow you to hunt after dark, the number of states that allow you to hunt with suppressors, the number of states that have allowed people under eighteen to get hunting licenses or under twenty one to buy guns, like there's, there's some positive uh, cultural yeah. movement here that's significant. And again, it started before Grand Thumb and T Rex Arms were doing anything. So, hundred percent, we're we're riding a wave. Yeah. But you guys are directly influential in the fact that you're helping shape yeah, this wave. I'll a lot, a lot. I mean, we, we all are in our own way, not to, Ton. you know, 
the, the, uh, what, what's your word? Uh, right? Self masturbation. I mean, I think do, all of us are seeing the, the work of other people. Like we're yeah. we're seeing these positive political changes or these positive mm-hmm. company changes, and we want to you know just keep that momentum going. So, well, did, yeah. wasn't there just a, a thing that came out that said that? the support for gun control was like the lowest it had been in like a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. Like 20 years or something. And it's going, it's Dude, especially I, low in young Kentucky generations. I'm telling I, you. I think like the, the one, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'll, I'll give that to you. Fucking Kentucky ballistics, demolition ranch, all of them fucking video games, you know, Tarkov, all the streamers. What, what's his yeah, name? Ian yeah. Crim Six. That, that guy who streams yeah. Warzone. I want to say went out, shot with Lucas, and like went out, got a pair of nods, and got his own night. Yeah, got his own night vision, got his own carbine. Now he's constantly like posting about two A stuff. Like I don't follow streamers. I don't know, but like he's got a massive following. He's getting people who otherwise wouldn't be into it into it. There's all sorts of people, and and you two, and you know T Rex, and. All kinds of people that are just, it's planting that seed, and that's all that matters. I'll say this, like, I had um, a bunch of the guys from the Seattle Seahawks come out to shoot at my range, taught them, uh, just showed them some stuff, and um, they all posted about it. Like, they posted to their their verified Instagram accounts, like, showing them shooting and stuff, and it was, like, all, nothing but support. I'm like, you couldn't have done that, like, 2008, like, a professional sports, you know, player post that stuff <laughs> and people be supportive no and, fuck and, no. it's just it's changed things are going well you know yeah it, it, it's a good place was, was dj dallas yeah <laughs> oh yes D, dj dallas yeah was dj yeah. dallas one of the seahawks that went out yeah, and shot at your awesome yeah he's a good shooter yeah well, uh, wait he was what yeah i was talking to him he, last he's night been in contact oh no no shit were you yeah we were talking to him yeah. last i now mean he's really into guns we yeah, weren't talking about guns. We were talking about football because I'm a, I'm a sports nerd. But I did. <laughs> I saw he was following us, and I'm like, "Why is he following us?" And I looked at his page, and I'm like, "This guy's into guns," and he's yeah. posting about it on his verified social media account. He is the, he's a third choice for, you know, he's probably not happy about that. But he is the third choice for the Seattle Seahawks running backs, and that, yeah, he, he's on your fucking team isn't yeah he's on my fantasy your, team uh, fantasy. Um, <laughs> did you tell him that yeah I, that's how we said yeah, he did it's the first that thing the first I thing i said i sent him a picture i'm like how you feeling yeah. this sunday big man <laughs> yeah and, and like while he's doing this mitch just sends me a message yeah i was kind of like, fanboying oh a little God, bit Nathan. because i'm Nathan. i'm a huge you never guess who's, but I, yeah and i'm like who the fuck is that it, it's cool. crazy seeing people we have streamers we have athletes yeah. that yeah. like you said in 2008 there's no way they were yeah. going to get away with that because they would have been crushed by the media. Oh, dude. Crushed. Destroyed. Absolutely destroyed, yeah. man. I'm, I'm, big white pillows. It's getting a little better every day. <laughs> you know, I, I want to <laughs> say just because we're, we're talking about DJ, um, he, uh, when he brought, all the, uh, he brought, uh, two other guys out with him. And so we all took a photo together and I didn't post it because I look like I'm like five foot two next to him. I look like the <laughs> tiniest human being to have ever existed next to all these professional football players. It was like the most, I felt like a, a tiny person next to all these guys. I was at a, a football game in Hawaii one time, uh, the Hula Bowl, which is a college game, but it was very much like that. I'm 6'2". Like, I'm not small. You're a tall I'd guy. In, I'd get into the elevator, and I'd look down at all these Japanese tourists who are, like, waist height. Then I'd turn to my other side, and I'd look up at all these football players in the elevator <laughs> with me. They were, like, eight feet tall, and I'd be like, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> that's how life goes yeah so moving forward with gun culture what do you think 
the future of it looks like and how are we going to get there and kind of get new people involved and bring the same people that maybe are in 1.0 or 2.0 how, how do we how do we start bringing people and and kind of advancing and evolving okay so i have my ideas for this and yes. they don't really so much involve me as they involve a younger generation right mm, because i'm i'm ultimately going to kind of appeal to who i appeal to and i'll i'll keep trying yeah. to broaden that and, and well mike how old are you i'm uh, 35 oh shit okay <laughs> I, feel, I feel a little less old now okay yeah but um like we think about like all the stuff that people do right now that i think is cringy right i think tiktok mm. is cringy i think dancing mm. on tiktok is cringy and i think it is yeah. um it is, it is cringy, right? Or <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I think a lot of this stuff that this newer generation does is cringy. But you know who doesn't think it's cringy is everyone, you know, 16, 17 and younger who are totally into this. And yeah. this is somewhere that we're, we're, there's gaps, right? And so there's going to have to be someone who fills that in in some meaningful yeah. way, who takes up that, who is good at that, and who can make it uh, educational and bring more people into farms, you know? So right now you got yeah. people like, you know, like I talked about, like Demo Ranch, right? They watch his videos because... You know, he, he he appeals to that demographic with the way he does his videos. We're going to have to find, there's going to have to be somebody who's going to fill in that gap in TikTok. You know, and that might be a little bit more difficult because the app's kind of difficult to work with. But these are these are gaps that we're working with when it comes to social media that I think have yet to be addressed and will eventually be addressed by, um, you know, this upcoming generation. I, I'm interested to see what happens. And then I can talk shit on them for dancing for <laughs> <your> TikToks. <laughs> I think, oh, I think it's uh <clears throat> i think there's different stages like i think that what's happening is we're seeing guys uh they have a particular goal or image that they want to pursue and so they see guns in video games they see guns in movies they see uh celebrities and really popular youtube channels doing cool stuff with guns and guns get cool so they get guns and mm -hmm. then they they're like what's next after guns oh yeah and then they move into you know maybe some other gear maybe some tactics some some uh, some CQB stuff, uh, but then I think I think what happens is uh, Garantham moves into the next stage, which is the building civilization from an axe series of videos, it's which I'm waiting happen. for. <laughs> <It's> so great! <laughs> I did hear that part of the podcast, and I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah!" You're like, "Let's do it! Let's, let's start build smelting civilization! Let's start smelting ores! I'm ready!" <laughs> yeah. So, um, I but I think that there there's going to be different stages of 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 guys. Um, and some people are going to get into the owning guns and, and doing stuff with, uh, with night vision goggles. And then they're like, yeah, this is cool now. And it's taking up all of my free time. And this is kind of like where I plateau. And then there's other people who are like, no, I want to be dangerous and effective in situations where I need radios. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need, I want to, I want to know how to live in the woods and I know I want to yeah. know how to make stuff with an ax yeah. and they, they take it to that next level, which I really feel like is, you know, the next, the next level above just being able to you know, help people in actual combat. And then there's help people in everything surrounding actual combat. And then there's helping people in <laughs> scenarios where civilization is gone and you're rebuilding it with an ax. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. How, how do I, how do I even drink water? What do I drink? Do I, do I drink it from a pond? Will that kill me? I don't know. Do, do I bear, <laughs> do I bear grills? <laughs> Just drink it. It's fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, if, if, a, if little bugs can live in it, you know it's good. You're you're good. You know, I, extra I, protein. I almost went on a rant about water. Can, can I can I go on a go rant? Go on a rant about water, oh, yeah. please, please, please. Okay, okay. So, um, 
I uh, I failed a solo uh, solo uh, survival exercise when I was going through the the pipeline. And so at the very end of the pipeline, I had to go through it again. And they were like, "This is an opportunity." I never got to, you know, we don't get to camp out anymore. So you get to camp out on your own. This is super cool. And they, it was pretty much, I got a knife, uh, a piece of tissue paper with one match. And they were like, don't let the fire go out for the week you're out there and uh, build a shelter and impress us. And I was like, well, shit, this is really daunting. So I ended up, um, you know, keeping that amount of uh, wood to keep the fire going. But anyhow, I digress. But uh, there was this huge meadow next to me with like this uh, stream running through it. And I was like... I was high up in the mountains, high up there. And I was like, fresh, pure mountain water. I will grow strong off of you and the minerals <laughs> in you, imbued within you. So I like, I was like putting my face into the water and like drink, sucking straight from the stream. And because I was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't want to iodine this water because I'm a little superstitious about putting a bunch of iodine in my water. I don't know. It can't be that good for you. But yeah, so I was just drinking this straight from the source. And I'm like, how could this not be pure? It is purified by the mountain. And then uh, about halfway through, they came in. They're like, hey, we got to move you for service, blah, blah, blah. So we got to move you up the road. So they moved me up the road about a mile up from where my, um, excuse me, about 400 meters up from where my first camp was. And they put me in this new area. And they're like, okay, go do it again. And so I got out there. And there's another meadow just upstream from where I just oh, drank from. And fuck. it was, uh, there was about a thousand cows just shitting Ugh. directly into the water <laughs> right there. <laughs> so it is incredible. I didn't oh, get sick, but uh, I've always really changed my tune. Iodine is so cheap, Purify too. Purify all so of your cheap. water. Trust just, nothing. When, when, <laughs> Trust no one, not even yourself. When I was yeah. young, when I was young, my father, who I should have realized was definitely not a wildlife, you know, survival expert of Miami. <laughs> told me like hey if you ever stuck out in the woods i don't know why he told me i don't remember how we were talking about it but i remembered this for the longest time he told me when i was a little kid he's like if you're ever out stuck in the woods and you're lost don't just drink any water make sure that it's moving water and if it's white so like when it's hitting like rapids it's okay to drink that and that stuck with me i'm like yep got it cool good to go <laughs> years later <laughs> <laughs> narrator later years later i don't remember if it was you it was it was it was somewhere in the baltic states we were in the woods are what's it called froze what are what are those big things of water called um wait wait say that one more time the what the fuck is it called the water buffalo our water buffalo froze so we we didn't have any water and we were really yeah. thirsty and we're like, and some people were like, oh, you know, we'll just wait, you know, there's, there's some privates that are going to go in there and pound it with a stick until, you know, it's not frozen anymore. And I was like, well, we're kind of near a stream and there's some rapids over it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> let me go fill up my camel back. I got dysentery. Hey, you love to see it. <laughs> I got dysentery. And I, and I, mean, I remember. Worse. There, there is so much yeah. Soviet pollution still yeah. in that water supply. Could have been, could have been a lot worse. Could have been anything. And I was, Dude, could have, I was so confused. I'm like, what? I remember thinking, I'm like, why am I shitting my brains out? Like, what is going on? I'm throwing up. I feel, I feel awful. And then I'm like, my dad told me this water is fine. And I called him. I'm like, Look, when, oh, when did no. you learn this? Who taught yeah, you this? Purify your fucking this, water. And I'm told, like, I don't I know why. Dysentery. This, this comes so to mind. This is totally pur unrelated to your gun water. culture and purify everything else. But, but Mike Purpetite. has made me have two white claws. Made me. He, he is here with a gun. No, I'm ready. At my head. But Mike, yes, he's a bad influence. Um, <laughs> I have, I'm encouraging oh, fuck, we alcoholism. Done that yet. Perhaps soon after I get so posted. When are you going to make fun um, of fat people? Uh, no, no one... 
<laughs> no, no one can here can see the chat, but it's been fun. He's like um, visibly. My mind jumps to many years ago when I was but a wee lad. Um, you know, fifteen, sixteen. This is yeah. This is you know, fifteen years ago. And my dad makes some some uh, sticky rice. Just you know, it's been in the fridge for a little while. So by made, I mean he puts it in the microwave. And just goes, oh, yeah, food, food will keep for a yeah. little while. And this has nothing to do with guns, nothing to do with purification, nothing to do with 2A, nothing to do with anything. So I've been mean, just kind of going on. Um, and, I you know, I, story I so eat much. sticky rice and just, you know, dinner, hanging out with my dad, you know. And then I just start to vomit. And I vomit and I vomit and I vomit for maybe three or four hours. And my mom comes home and I'm just, you know, Tears in my eyes, just on the floor in the bathroom, just surrounded by, by uh, you know, the contents of my stomach. And I go, Dad, you killed me. <laughs> you killed me. What did you feed me? And he looks at me and he goes, like, toughen up. It wasn't the food. <laughs> like, no, it's it's fine. You're, you're just, you're being a wimp. Like, get over it. Well, and then... Yeah. Totally. My my the fucking catharsis of this. As soon as like I'm over it and I stop throwing up, he comes into the bathroom and he just starts barfing as well. I couldn't eat sticky rice for about a decade. I had it for the first time, God, a couple years ago. But it it made me nauseous. Like the the human brain holds on to those things. If you make yourself sick with something, it'll hold on to it for a long fucking time. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, like how I hold on to it's okay to drink white water. (laughs) White water. That is the most, that is amazing. That's my best (laughs) advice I've ever heard. Thanks, Dad. Theo, man. What? (laughs) So do you think, are we we entering an era now of fieldcraft and bushcraft along with weapons? Are we going to like the bushman with the rifle and 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 the trees and the mountains, like the rifle behind every blade of grass? Is that our, is that what we're returning into? I kind of, I kind of hope so. Yeah, we were talking about that, and I hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. We're not there yet. It's like maybe that's a gun culture three point five kind of thing, but I want us to get there. I want ev- there be to be a rifle behind every blade of grass. I want the yeah. modern Minuteman concept to come back. You love yeah. it. You like, love to see it. Yeah, well, well, and, I love and, to see- and more than more than just the the combat capability, but that rebuilding civilization with an axe. That thing where it's like, well, I want to be self reliant when it comes to defense of my yeah. life it's like cool yeah. excellent we, i back you 100 percent. now are there any other areas where you would like to be self-reliant <laughs> we would like to help you be self-reliant in yeah. many areas well you know it's, it's it's natural right it's like okay i can defend myself i can defend my family against you know uh whatever it might be what somebody trying to take away my freedom somebody trying to take away my natural rights but i do that and the consequence of that is that civilization is destroyed. And can I still do the same thing, defend my family against Mother Nature herself? Mm-hmm. Can I keep my family alive? And that's something you should be able to do. Um, I think some things we'll be talk, I'm going to be talking about um, in the future, and I'll, I'll talk to you offline about this also, Isaac, because it's a really interesting topic, is like, what's what's the timeline with which you can live in the woods before you die? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, like how long can you live in the woods before you physically pass away? So if I were to put you out there with a knife and a tissue paper, like how long? And and for a lot of people, they, they just don't know. And so it should be indefinite, right? It should yeah. be that you know the correct steps um, to take in order to begin to get water, begin to cultivate land, begin to grow, begin to uh, domesticate animals and and 
live and, and recreate civilization, but this has been lost, right? I used to tell people when I teach Seer, I'm like, what I'm about to teach you is not like wazoo information. I'm teaching you what a child used to know in 1820. Yeah. But these skills are no longer necessary for survival, so we've lost them. So all we're going to do is get you to the level of about a eight-year-old in circa 1820, and then from there, there's a billion more skills you still need to learn. But like, yeah. think about a kid in 1820. You're like, hey, uh, yeah. you need to cook this frog leg that you, you know, this frog that you caught. The kid's going to know how to start a fire and cook a frog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, this there's these the- stories of. You know, wagon trains going to Oregon, parents die, small children make it all the way to Oregon with all the stuff and the animals and everything. Like it's, (laughs) this happened not all the time, but (laughs) remarkable regularity. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's just a consequence of our modern living, right? We're, we're in a really good place. We, we are, the food is plentiful and we're able to to diversify and pursue different, uh, you know, things like drink white claws and life's good, but you know, it's that that innate knowledge that that really interests me i think it's so interesting that up until maybe a hundred years ago humans knew a lot more about living indefinitely uh, without a a walgreens or a walmart or a albertson's you know right down the street a wise man once said the industrial revolution and its consequences have been disastrous for the human race sorry continue (laughs) just once i always ted post um I, I am kind of interested about you have to. Uh, I'm curious about your guys' thought process on how you guys decide what is relevant information to be teaching moving forward. Because oh, for, for me, I, my, I'm a very simple, I'm a simple dude. I, I, I think of when, if I was doing, you know, CQB with my squad and I'm, I'm up on the rails and I'm looking down on them like, all right, go through the house and then they finish they all they do their ups one up two up three up four up all right room clear i say okay now what and they all just kind of look around and i'm like now what you cleared the house you killed all the bad guys now what and that's how i kind of think when when we're making guides i'm like okay we did that cool stuff maybe we did a guide and the cool stuff now what or we're planning to go do this thing well we don't just you know time warp and end up in front of the building now what um and that's kind of how my how how my brain works when i think of what i need to be talking about and what my kind of responsibility is i'm curious for you know the folks over at t-rex and you know kind of with your recce videos what what does that look like for you how do you determine you know how we move forward and what you're going to put out information wise uh it's it's somewhat haphazard (laughs) mike why don't you go first while i try to figure out what we do um, so I think the most important thing that was ever told to me was um, uh, by a guy named Foster Huntington, uh, if you guys are familiar with him. Loves guns, just this uh, hippie lives out in, in uh, Washington, has like a huge treehouse fort. It's it's awesome. This guy's incredible. What's so his username? He's just for uh, everyone who's listening and also yeah, me. No, he's he's amazing, don't. dude. You should definitely follow him. He's uh, at Foster Hunting. Yeah. Foster hunting. He has like a million followers or something like that. But anyhow, he is big into natural movement, all that type of stuff and and living off the land. But beyond that, he's really good at social media and that type of thing. One thing that he always told me was that you got to be true to yourself, right? If you start placating the fans, if you start um, doing only what fans want, then you're not what they came there for, right? They came there for you, not for them. So you need to always do what's interesting to you. So I hate to say it, but when it comes to my content, I do what I what I think is cool, what I think is interesting, because I think 
it's infectious. You know, if people see me that I'm passionate about a topic and that I'm really invested in it, that's going to be so much more uh, authentic to them than if I'm, you know, like talking about Alec Baldwin, uh, you know, uh, an hour after it occurred, because that's what's hugely popular right now versus me yeah. going on and on about recreating civilization with an ax, because I just freaking love that kind of topic, you know? So I think the biggest thing is to be true to yourself, um, be true to yourself and follow what, you know, what feels good to you. And then that's pretty much what I end up kind of pursuing as far as my video topics. I know it seems super unscientific yeah. and I'm sure there's probably a better way to handle it, but, um, I think, yeah, yeah, fuck them. But I think that that, that enthusiasm is what's going to draw people in and why they came in the first place. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, no, I think I think everybody... So we have a, a number of people creating content at T-Rex. Um, we have the customer service team. You know, they're, they're solving people's problems, but they also are kind of directing people. You know, there's a lot of... A huge amount of our customer service isn't, hey, my holster break. Uh, <laughs> how, how fix holster? Most of it is actually like, hey, what laser should I get? Or, hey, what flashlight should I get? And sometimes it's stuff like, it, it is, you know, as Mitch yeah. said, the now what? Like, all right, it's, I bought everything. That this is something I kind of wanted to get what? into earlier. But, you know, I, I hadn't loosened up enough. Isaac. And, you know, I didn't want to yeah. interrupt as I'm so bad for. And we get many messages about just like, why is that Nathan guy fucking interrupting everyone? It's fuck you. That's why. Um, what I think, too, and this is kind of related to what you just said, Isaac, People don't like being uncomfortable anymore. People don't like challenging themselves in a way that isn't just, you know, oh, you know, I, I missed a few A-zone hits yeah. in a flat range. It's like people don't like going yeah. out into the woods and spending some time and actually, you know, being cold, being wet, having to, you know, filter their own water, you know, lighting their own fires, living in the woods for a little while or anything else. People don't like being uncomfortable. And it's, you know, it's innate human nature. I can't really fault them for it, but we have to get over it. We genuinely do. Yeah. And I think that that's, and kind of going back to what, you know, what you were saying about uh, creating content for, you know, what, what, what drives the maximum number of eyeballs, you know, what drives the maximum engagement on your, on your comment section, whatever. I also have sort of come to the realization is that not all eyeballs are created equal. Like there's people watching content who don't learn anything. And I actually really enjoy the opportunity to like make you know, maybe make less successful yes. content eyeball wise that maybe is more successful at actually helping people. And uh, so I, I've kind of changed my thinking a little bit. Like um, as we have developed different types of content and done different things, like I feel like the customer service guys are actually getting the best direct personal help uh, track record of anybody in T-Rex, even though the emails that they send people are often personalized or the newsletters that go out or the guys they put up on the website, they don't get the same kind of eyeballs as the YouTube videos, but they're like direct and helpful. That I think is, is really uh, helpful because we're, <laughs> we're not monetized on YouTube. So getting a gazillion eyeballs in a video is cool, but it doesn't actually, <laughs> yeah. there's no value to it. Fair. Um, but if we could, you know, help somebody with an issue or, or move somebody uh, in a direction that they need to go or, you know, solve a problem for somebody. If you can do that to five or 10 people in a video, that's amazing. And if that video also gets 10 million views, that's cool too. But hopefully your, your, your hit rate, your, your actual um, teaching value or whatever we want to call this, you know, this ratio is, is high. And, uh, and I think that if you stick to the stuff that you're really passionate about and interested in, then people really sense that uh, they, they understand that you're being genuine 
And like, I know that there's a bunch of people who watch Garantham because he's ridiculously good looking and he always has cool guns. True. His videos true, are, true. you know, the production All value is excellent. Um, and I, I would imagine that the Rebuilding Civilization from Scratch video series would get fewer eyeballs, but I bet you it would help more people. Now, not to 100%. say that the cool gun videos aren't an on-ramp for Second Amendment stuff, but I, I'm sure that there's a bunch of guys um, like me who have been watching your videos for years and you're like, all right, he's going to shoot another cool gun and it's going to be cool. <laughs> uh, I'm like, when is he going to start rebuilding civilization with an yeah, axe? Give for. me that axe. <laughs> give me that that's right now. Well, I mean, it's all about that that good balance of content, right? You got to appeal to a, to a lot of different people, and, and that's kind of what we're going for right now. But 100%, like, um, you got to be – what do I say to people? It's it's going to sound super stupid. I'm going to hate myself as soon as I say it. Uh, with great power comes great responsibility, right? With, yeah. with a bunch of followers, so comes the responsibility to both put out factual and good information and to also – balance the type of content you put out with uh, content that's going to benefit everyone, right? Not just yourself. And so that that is actually what surprised me, Isaac, because I did not think that anybody was going to watch my video on Recce because forever people have been asking me to do a Recce video, like talk about it and start getting into a video series about Seer and that type of stuff. And whenever I do kit setup videos kind of similar to it, it gets like no views. And I'm like, it's more of a passion project, which is fine. But when I decided to make it, I was like, okay, this is fine. You know, these videos will be our worst videos for of the of the you know the 10 video metric you see and all that kind of stuff so youtube gives you a metric for every 10 videos and lets you know how they're doing so i'm like i'm sure it'll be 10 out of 10 just terrible that's oh, okay but uh when i released it it ended up you know garnering a million views in about two weeks and i was like well yeah. i guess people are actually you know i guess the as you would say isaac the needle's moving in this direction and i don't know what's causing it specifically um i i couldn't say but i'm i'm yeah. I'm here for it, man. I'm, I love to see it because I, I think it's an incredibly yes, valuable topic. Oh my God. And don't you worry. I will, I will make a video entitled nice. starting civilization with an ax. That's awesome. yes. to, the first, the first thing you make is a bench just so everyone knows, because you need to be able to sit and rest. <laughs> That's a rule. For, That's have a rule. you seen, uh, there's a YouTube channel of a guy in Russia. He's actually a lawyer and his uh -huh. YouTube channel is just him going off into the Russian wilderness and building a log cabin yeah. and then work bench and then tools and stuff like that. And, and then does My the government come take, all, take them all? He's far <laughs> enough in the woods that they don't know. That's incredible. <laughs> That's really cool. You know, it is it is such a lost skill. Um, it, how cool is it watching him do that? Yeah. And, and, and I feel, you know, relatively inadequate because my kids think that I can do anything. And I'm, you know, I'm reading on my side of the mountain and I'm showing them videos of guys yeah. building stuff. And, and they're like, well, dad can do that too. And it's like, better learn how. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, think about something as simple. Well, not simple, but yeah, building a log cabin. Like you say simple, yeah, but took forever. Um, have you guys felled a tree before? Yes. With an axe? Absolutely no yes. fucking idea. I used nice. an axe and it okay. fell over. Yeah. So do you know the DBH of that tree? Yeah. Like like how thick it was? It fell over eventually. Well, so there, there's a there's a huge technique to cutting down a tree. If you don't know, like there's a specific type of cut that you do to cause which way it's going to fall. Um, oh yeah, 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 the, the wedge. Yep. Shape. So you, the the reverse wedge on both sides in order to make it fall a certain direction. Um, once you've you know felled it, of course, there's different ways to to utilize all the different parts of the branch. Like there's a lot to even felling a tree, and then you get on top of that, you're like, all right, I'm gonna make a house it's like okay how do i notch this out okay beyond that then you got to use the mud to uh create the stucco between the logs to seal it up <laughs> like it is immensely complex and like you think of oh, i'm gonna build a log cabin no problem 
but holy crap, is there a lot that goes into it? You and, have uh, got to uh, you've got to check out a YouTube channel called Axe and Anvil. Axe and Anvil. And, okay. uh, the, the next time you come and visit, we're going to go out and we're going to visit this guy. He's a real good friend of mine. I actually oh, helped cool. him build his log cabin. You know, I did this much work, and it was it almost killed me. See, look but, at that! You have <laughs> built a log cabin. That's incredible. That's amazing. It's, you have got to come visit this guy. So he I'd is an 18th century blacksmith, uh, and he's homesteading and he's doing stuff. It That's is so cool, awesome. And he's uh, he's not just a blacksmith; like he's a woodsman. Like he knows not just how you cut down trees and use them and build log cabins with them, but like, yeah, we're we're you know, he's he's on his his grandparents land and he's like, yeah, this is how we take care of the forest so that we're going to use these trees later. And this is how we've cleared out this forest so that, you know, the different varieties of trees will be wow. the straightest and the biggest and the healthiest and the most useful for making houses or whatever. It's wow. amazing. And like he is fascinated with getting back this old knowledge. And uh, yeah, so next time you come out to Tennessee, don't hang out with the the high speed T Rex guys. Let's go back to the let's go back to the eighteen hundreds and let's do some blacksmithing and some woodcraft. And every time okay. I hang out with Jordan, we're like trapping or you know shooting. Uh, he had he has some very uh, yeah he's got some awesome content that I hope is coming out very soon. But he's building flintlock or no not flintlock but percussion cap rifles and wow. doing, doing black powder reloading. He is the coolest guy and. Maybe that's what gun culture 4.0 looks like. It looks yeah, like 1835. I love that. Honestly, love if, that. if 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 the the peak tactical kit is me looking like Daniel Day Lewis and Last on the Moon, yes. I am totally okay with that. <laughs> I am totally okay with that. You know, um, you bring up a really good point. Being a woodsman, right? Yeah. That's that's a term I, I you hear a lot when it comes to to like seer and. And that type of stuff i've encountered i would say uh like a woodsman once um and it's the only creepy thing that ever happened to me in the woods but um we were out there teaching survival and uh one day we came back to our cabin or not our cabin we had like a little like um cp little command post set up and uh somebody had put um these figurines that looked like all of us with like the moss from to make our hair and everything like each of us in our sleeping bags and stuff so we thought it was one of our guys fucking with us but uh, we ended up um uh holding some guys back um because he just whoever this was kept messing with us and uh uh eventually we, we found his tracks and we caught him and so me and my buddy um found his tracks and we could see him barely disappearing into the woods and we're like oh i'm gonna catch this man like we're gonna get him and i don't know what we're gonna do we're gonna get him but uh at that point i was a pretty seasoned uh, you know i will say woodsman and I could move through the forest pretty pretty fast. But when we start chasing after this guy, this guy was both barefoot and and ran with such speed through thick, dense forests of which I could not even comprehend. Near a dead sprint, just leaping branches and ducking under them and quickly outpaced us within maybe 10 seconds. Like yeah. just gone. Was he and I only military? Was he a city? Just a random guy fucking with you? He's a get this. So I was like, who the fuck was that? So uh, a couple of days later, I was um, on this hillside and I saw a movement on, an, on another like mountainside, like a uh, solid distance away. So I pulled up Binox, glass the area. And sure enough, I see this dude, like full furs, moss attached to him for camouflage, just stalking a deer with a, with a percussion rifle. And I was like, that was that guy. Just some guy living off grid, dude. Just just a true woodsman right there. And I was like, how impressive was that? And I don't know, I guess we just got there and he thought he'd have fun and just fuck with us. I respect it. <laughs> yeah. I respect it very much. But that that's super cool when you think about it. like, think about the skills that that man has to, to like people don't even think of movement, but like movement through a forest at that speed takes um, 
so much experience and so much knowledge this guy could tell us about how to walk and how to disappear. I, I just wish I could talk to the guy, but no way he'd ever talk to me being in the military when I was, you know, when I when I spotted him and he was so far away. But <laughs> so cool. When it yeah. when it comes to putting out that information as well, I do think that needle is getting pushed, like you said. Um, we, yeah. you know, because looking at our own analytics, I did this a little bit before. Uh, our our CQB guide which we put out before when we were at like 40,000 followers, it has, and is still to this day, our most popular post. It has like 19,000. Yeah. 19, Those are great guys. Oh, they, they, Thank you. Really or, Orion Concepts did that. I, I, but then uh, we look at Orion Training Group, Orion oh, Concepts. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're awesome. They're great guys. I, I'm hopefully going to, yeah, once I'm cool out of the military, um, I'm planning on teaching some survival courses through them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're great guys. But then we look at a post that we did, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we had more of a following and it was, you know, introduction uh-huh. to general principles of survival gets like 7,500. So the engagement wow. is less, but the value, oh, there's value in CQB, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. The value, yeah. I think it's there and the people that want it are getting it. And I think when we, you know, when we do our, our SEER guide, not just because it's Grand Thumb that's doing it. I, if we just completely took your name out of it and took away like, hey, you're the one that helped us with it, I think it would do significantly, you know, better than, you know, just even a couple months ago, you know, because yeah. in, in, in uh, we are, I think right now we're in a transition phase where that needle, well, it's starting to move, it's starting to snowball and gain more momentum and more momentum and more momentum to the, yeah. to the point where I think you can put out, you know, a recce video. And it's mm-hmm. going to get similar engagement um, as, yeah. as we move down the road because people are starting to get over that um, initial hype about, yeah, small unit tactics to, well, I need to also survive to do this small unit <laughs> tactics. And I, and I just want to see, great. I just want to see me and Isaac in a naked and afraid type video on Garantham. Sounds oh, oh, what video on Garantham? <laughs> Naked and afraid. Yes. You need to get yes. out of your comfort zone, Isaac. We yeah, need to start with zero clothes. No, it's true. When, we were, when, when he were talking earlier, uh, Nathan, about like people don't want to do things that are unpleasant, I was like, it's true. Yeah, it's don't. true. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like when, when, uh, when Mike was talking earlier about like come out to Washington, do some survival stuff, I was like, that sounds awesome. And ah, just the worst. <laughs> Mike, is that is that like a, a thing you would yeah. do? Would you yeah. go camping with folks? Man. And just, so the, do you get uh, naked while you do Washington? It? Yeah, a hundred percent. Actually, there's actually a story to that. But um, <laughs> really, the, uh, yeah, hundred percent, man. So like, I uh, we are starting survival class. So once I get out, um, we'll be uh, teaching these courses. Everyone can sign up. We'll be doing them through a different bunch of different people. I'll have you guys can come out. Not Nathan, though. No, just kidding. You can come <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll go through it. I'll, I'll teach all the, all the pertinent stuff and, uh, yeah, we'll do anywhere from like a two day to a two week course. Yeah. It should be a good time. So I've been getting, but, um, sorry, go on. Go You want me, you want to know about getting naked? I mean, no, but yes, you got to sleep naked in your sleeping bag, maximum worth. So oh man, I talk about that with guys all the time. So like, do you sleep naked? Do you sleep naked in your bag? In my bag? If it's, yeah. if it's cold, absolutely. Do you really? Yep. You don't, you don't, you'll keep any underwear on. Um, I'll keep my silkies sometimes. Um, okay. but are you, are you like a sweaty balls type guy? If, if I don't, if I don't have my silkies, I, I will get naked in my bag. Have I been doing this wrong the entire you know, time? Okay. So there, <laughs> it depends completely on your body, um, what you sleep in. So it also depends on your bag. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways to do it. None of them are specifically wrong. Oh, well, there is a wrong way. Like if you sleep in everything, 
like with a like insulated bag you're going to sweat and die but um yeah generally you just want to make sure that you're not sweating too much in your sleep because you're losing water and like the big thing with survival is you want to ration um your sweat not your water um so the yeah. idea is you should always be drinking water, but if you can prevent yourself from sweating, um, that's really good because sweat is losing a lot of fluid from your body. So, uh, you know, during the, the night, if you're sweating all night because you have too many layers on, that's bad. That's a lot of water loss. That's going to be that much more difficult to regain in either a survival or a re- reconnoitering type situation. So you, you just want to be cognizant of that. And everybody's different. Like I sleep pretty, pretty warm. So I tend to get down pretty close to naked too um you know if you're not a sweater then uh you know maybe you 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 wear more yeah i'm not a big sweater so yeah with, with okay. those bags too people think oh i'm gonna get a bag rated for like negative 20 degree weather and i'm gonna be toasty oh, no that's negative 20 <laughs> degree survival that's not yeah <laughs> it, and people seem to forget that i'll go out with friends and they'll be like i'm so cold dude like i have this bag it's not working and i'm like Oh, it's working. You're surviving. You know, it's, yeah, you're, not, it's not not, you're supposed to be in your own little inferno in negative 20 degree weather. You know, you're surviving. <laughs> it's survival rating. Yeah. Oh man. It's so true though. Now. Okay. So talking about uh, getting naked, mm. um, we used uh, like the, for my survival guys out there, the whole man in the Creek thing, right? So if you, in a like winter environment, if you plunge through the ice and you fall into the water and you get out of that water it's like how fast are you going to die in like a a situation where it's like say 10 degrees fahrenheit pretty quick pretty quick yeah pretty quick so what do you do is is a question you roll and, in the light fluffy snow and then you're you, fine yeah yeah right there's a lot of different ways and, and generally the idea <laughs> is that you got to move right but also uh to some extent or another stripping down and getting a fire going is not a bad way to do it to be honest uh, Bill, bear girls kind of had it right um i don't Survival's survival's so weird, man. Stay I warm. really am just completely. I haven't done anything in this area since uh, since I lived in New Zealand, which doesn't even count because New Zealand is just ridiculously easy mode. Like I did New a Zealand survival is... thing in New Zealand, and I just <laughs> were like, "Well, there's nothing here that can eat me, and the water's perfectly good to drink, and it's not going to get cold." So I just lay down under a fern and slept that night, and then woke up in the morning and went about my. And I was like, "Yeah, I, I survived." I Past the course, what now? <laughs> you know how, like, in the Bible, it talks about how the, you know, the Garden of Eden, they could just live and just not have to do anything. And they're yeah. just fine. That's, that's New Zealand, to be honest, you know. They're like, much, you, just, yeah. you just live. You're okay. Like, you don't really have yeah. to do much. It's like, it's like yeah. go to sleep. Go to sleep, young Isaac. You're okay. Yeah. yeah. Roll over. Drink out of the stream. It hasn't <laughs> been destroyed by pesticides yet. So yeah, we're all you're good. good. Good to go. Yeah. Um, the only thing you have to worry about there is sorry. the fucking government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that escalated quickly. Yeah, you, you yeah. Know, at least you can own a suppressor easily. It's true. I mean, it, it was just common courtesy to have a suppressor on your gun, and it was just a, the thing that every rifle came with at a gun store. Because, like, yeah, of course you're going to want to run a suppressor. Like, duh. You know, I was actually talking to my wife about this because um, she was asking about suppressors, and I was like, you know, in most other countries where you can own a weapon, uh, suppressors are not really so much a regulated I- I- uh, item. Like even in England, uh, yeah. and it's just considered a common courtesy. Like you just, yeah, have a suppressor. That's very nice. It's very polite of you, you know. But here, here it it, it is. You did you did a whole video on this. Actually, I want to know the history oh, of that. Why why are why are suppressors? Uh, why why did they become legal? Did that what what precipitated that? I, yeah, to be honest, nobody really knows exactly. Like the 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 lore is that there was a lot of poaching going on during the uh, Great Depression. Yeah, but I don't know that that 
actually was something that people worried about because it wasn't anything that I, in, in none of my research, no one talks about suppressors. They're just on the NFA and I don't know Weird. why they're there. And people don't debate them. They just debate the handguns and the, and the shotguns. Yeah. So I don't know, but I've heard a number of people throw out the, uh, the poaching uh, thing like poachers are using suppressors to, to hunt animals because they're the great depression is happening and nobody has food. I don't know. Y- you got to wonder if, if, I mean, when were suppressors invented? Was it 19... Uh, Early 1900s, uh, Hiram Maxim, I think. Yeah, because yeah. he came out with his uh, silencer or whatever. And that was like, yeah, early 1900s. And like, what, 20 years later, were they even, uh, you know, were there enough out there for this to be I, a problem? I don't you gotta know. Wonder. I mean, you they're wonder. relatively simple to make if you want to make them, but there, uh, there's yeah. definitely like, these awesome ads that were probably in popular mechanics where it's like, put a suppressor on your 22, build an indoor shooting range, good for Christmas, long winter activity. It's <laughs> 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 just like, yeah, that's things were different then. <laughs> yeah, you love it. You love to see it, man. Hopefully we can get back to that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one day. Maybe, well, maybe we know a little bit more about uh, lead. You know. Well, yeah, lead was. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> we know enough about lead now that I'd probably not do it indoors. But you know, maybe we uh, maybe we come up with different propellants, and yeah. uh, and maybe we we shoot different bullets indoors. Like it, my indoor my indoor shooting range, you know, plastic bullets only. Interesting. Yeah. Are you like are you talking like those plastic uh, German rounds for the G three and stuff, or what, do you, what exactly? Oh, do you I mean? was I was actually thinking of. Uh, there, there are some plastic training rounds yeah, the that rounds. I think they're for indoor range. And uh, for a while, Israel was actually using them for uh, CQB stuff because – Like, wait, UTMs? No, no, no. They were, they were just a plastic bullet. And the whole wow. point of the plastic yeah. bullet is it's very fragile, so it does not uh, make it through barriers. So you can use it uh-huh. more safely in indoor shooting ranges. But it comes out of the gun at just an insane speed. And so if it actually <laughs> hits a human, very effective. And wow. so there were Israeli counter-terror units are actually using this inside of buildings because they totally work uh, and they don't go through walls. So that's what they were, uh, that's what they were doing for a while. Then, that makes sense, actually. Uh, maybe, maybe they're still doing it, but that was sort of like this thing where like the dirty Israelis using plastic bullets because they're so <laughs> dangerous. It's like, well, actually, they're, they're training bullets and the training company doesn't like it. <laughs> so you know, it's supposed I think, to be safe. When I think of you, Isaac, I think of um, you probably – like I, I just imagine at some point you played Fallout New Vegas and you know had that shotgun reloader perk where you can make those different weird rounds and you watch that and you just quietly shut down your like computer after seeing that happen and just went into your garage and just began to tinker. I, that's the type of person I feel you are. I don't know why. Well, I mean, it is, uh, it is true. Uh, I haven't, I haven't played that one, but it is true that I often will, you know, read a book or watch a movie or play a game and I'll and I'll see some fictional thing and I'll be like, huh. Is that really dumb, or is it really brilliant, or could that really work? <laughs> and the scary thing is, you have the resources now mm. and, the, and the expertise to to, to try it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. scary. When, when are we going to get the um, whoever that prosecutor was in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Uh, the exploding bullets. Oh my god! Oh, oh man, we yeah. have him such on a the brilliant podcast. idea. Exploding bullets. Let, let's yeah. like all four of us. Let's just get just him. him. On. <laughs> I. Just, I, just, oh, just actually, I have a, I have a question for. Uh, well, I, I guess it's for all of you, but specifically for Mike, because I remember early on, and he mentioned this in the last podcast, mm-hmm. Magpul training videos. Yeah, tremendously influential in the culture, hugely oh, yeah. important yeah. for Huge. me, and obviously very important for you. And then, yeah. uh, and then Travis Haley, people start talking about it. You start tagging Travis Haley. He starts talking to you, and then you actually yeah. get to meet him. Yeah. 
who else, who else do you want to meet? Like who would you like to do stuff with or, or hang out with in the industry? In the industry or just in, in general? Well, I, you know, at this point you could probably do whatever you want in the industry, but yeah, maybe, um, maybe go wider. You know, I've, I've, I've been very lucky. I've gotten to meet a lot of um, people in the industry. I've, I've, I can't think of anybody I really haven't met in the industry. Have you met Ian from Forgotten Weapons? Like, yeah, I have actually. We've talked on the phone oh, and shit. stuff. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah I just great. want to talk to the guy. Um, he just seems like an interesting yeah, he's, dude. He's, he's hilarious. When we were at the uh, Heckler and Coke party um, during Shot Show, he showed up in like uh, like the the formal kilt wear in Scotland. It was awesome. <laughs> it was such a power move, dude. I respected it so much. I want to be his best he, friend. He's, he's a funny guy. Um, yeah, I can't think of. I've, I've met all the all the all the cool guys, or. or that sounds bad. Somebody like I haven't met. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking myself into a hole right now. I need to stop. Um, There's some cool guy out there that hasn't met you, and he's like, "Oh, here's, here's what I, I know." He's like, "Damn it! Here's what I really want to do." Is it's going to sound so cliche, but I really, really want to get on Joe Rogan. 100. <laughs> yes. I, I know it's so cliche, dude. But Joe um, Rogan you know, interior like, podcast. Uh, Sorry, continue. You're right. Yeah, fuck Joe Rogan. Um, but no, no like I, fun. you know, you see guys like Kalyan Noir in him, and and Kalyan Noir speaks so intelligently yeah. on those videos. So it is kind of worrisome to me. I think I just speak horribly and just swear too much, and he'd probably just cancel it. But um, I don't. I think it'd be. I think it'd be. I'd love to get like. My goal would be like I want like me and Lucas on there and just like tag team talking about. Gun oh culture. my god, that's, that'd be so cool. That would be. Well, I I think it would be fascinating to have you on there talking about Seer stuff because obviously yeah. he's had other special forces dudes talking yeah. about combat and he has. You know, I've had some people on talking about guns, but yeah, I think I think I think that he personally would be fascinated. You know, being the—I mean, he's not a real doctor, of course. Yeah, we should always every time we talk about Joe Rogan, we got to point out he's not a real doctor. Oh, of course like, not. Yeah, not a real I think doctor. he'd be fascinated by a lot of the uh, survival stuff. Yeah, that's that's a good point and right he, there. That's that's my avenue. That's what I'm yeah. going through. And then midway through the uh, podcast, I'll just say fuck the ATF. Yes. Yeah, yes. holding you to it, <laughs> holding you fucking to it. Um, um, what about you? What about you? Isaac? Yeah, I was going to turn that question to him. I actually don't know. So I I have met Ian, and he seems super nice and is incredibly knowledgeable. Actually, some of the stuff that I would like to do it doesn't even involve me. Like I would love to get um, my friend Jordan, who runs Axe and Anvil, yeah. to hang out with Ian McCollum and let them talk ancient weapons. For a couple oh, hours, God. I would not say anything. Just I would like just watch eight millimeter it LaBelle. Would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, well, and, and even earlier, like because I know that Ian has the capability of going real early, and yeah. uh, and Jordan, in addition to shooting all these black powder weapons and making them, uh, he also was on a, an artillery team. So with 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 Confederate reenactors and Civil War and Revolutionary War reenactors, you have this sliding scale of guys who just want to wear the uniform, show up to reenactors, shoot stuff. And then you have guys who are like hardcore. And uh, the artillery guys that are hardcore are amazing because they're actually, you know, they're limited by the fact that it's a reenactment and they can't actually do stuff with canister shot and grape shot. And it's a great disappointment to them. <laughs> but they're doing stuff by the artillery books of the day and like doing the math as if they were shooting real, real stuff. And then they put in a tiny amount of powder so that they don't destroy <laughs> the spectators. But um, that was the kind of artillery guy that the Jordan was. So he has all this experience with, uh, 
with these things. And I would love to just see him and Ian together talking about this stuff. Cause Ian is also a very practical hands-on guy. Yeah. He doesn't want to just read books about stuff. Yeah. He wants to go see it and touch it and take it apart and shoot it. Yeah. There's videos of him and, doing uh, that. So that would be awesome. Yeah. Finish brutality and stuff. Yeah. That guy is awesome. And he just seems fun. <laughs> yeah. Like someone I would want to sit down and have a beer with and talk about eight millimeter LaBelle. Yeah. I, I think that is, like, we talk about this, very often but one of the cool things about doing this podcast is that we do get to talk to people and Mm -hmm. we get to meet people i mean we're not like meeting in person i mean maybe one day but i mean for now this never definitely (laughs) i think i talked about on our story today it is a very selfish endeavor and i think mike kind of talked about a little bit where if he's very passionate about something then you know people people will tune in and care and I, I kind of feel the same way with, with, with this podcast. I'm able to meet and talk with anybody. I mean, anybody that I've wanted to so far, I'm able to. Um, mm-hmm. Except for one. There's one guy, and we reached out and asked him. And all he did was just give us a thumbs up, uh, the Wooded Beardsman. He's a great uh, – He he's a Canadian. He does these survival videos in Canada. They're entertaining. They're like three hours long. Some are like 10 hours long even. And I will sit there and I will like watch and do something. I love him. I think he's super entertaining. I reached out and I was like, Hey, you want to come on the podcast so I can talk to you? And he's like, what's your podcast? And I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like the art war <laughs> podcast. All he did, he sent me a thumbs up and I'm like, so can I, can I chat? No. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he'll get on. Okay. But that's, yeah. that's, that's my guy. If I had to pick my guy. It's pretty sick. That's, that's way more well thought out than mine. Well, I, yeah, I have to I'm think about to think these kids, people, uh, these but, things, because we yeah. run a we run a show that depends on meeting people. So that's true. Yeah. Um, are you? You said you're not going to shot show. Me? Isaac? I really don't want to. I didn't go last year, and it was so betrayer. Like, I know. Uh, I don't I know, know if I, I can ever go back. The best part to is going people. to shot show. The best people. Yeah. Part is people. Hundred percent. I feel that's like we should we should organize uh, just a, a people meeting event. I mean, the same thing was true when I was. Uh, when I, I think the same thing is true when, when we were doing like um, homeschool conferences and stuff when I was a kid. It was like, why are we doing all these conferences where we got to sell product and like there's the vendors hall and there's speakers? Like, let's not do that. Let's do a conference where everyone just gets together and hangs out. Yeah, we, I, I, I like it. Yeah, we talked with the CEO of Weapons Outfitters and the CEO of Core Performance about this. They all agree. They're like, Shot Show sucks. Let's, <laughs> the best part <laughs> is meeting the people there. And like, you can, let, let's just do an event where instead of it's all about like us and the companies and the product, let's just do a thing where we all like go and hang out. And that would be wonderful. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I, I just want to see more anime art from Paige Austin. Oh, yeah. She's great. <laughs> Paige is fantastic. Great. I'm looking forward to actually yeah. fucking hanging out with her next yeah, month. Delta Magna, or this too. Month. Oh, fuck. We this just month. discovered her. She's awesome. We had her on oh, I, two days ago. Delta Magna is really Yeah, she's good. awesome. Oh, I don't know. Super nice. I'll have to check her out. What's her at? Delta Magna. Uh, Delta Magna. Delta Magna. If you look okay. in our yeah, story, no, her, her she's really... the one that did the art for the Q&A today. Oh, yeah. okay. She's super nice, super friendly. Nice, that's awesome. Yep, she's making a video game. Actually, her and her oh, boyfriend—they were inspired wow. by Metal cool. Gear Solid. And wow, there's a whole story behind. But super cool people. Dude, these are people doing way cooler things than me. Yeah, I say that all the time. There's so many cool people in the <laughs> industry doing cool shit, and I'm just like, yeah, I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that I think we do need in the industry is, uh, like. SHOT Show, actually, the reason that SHOT Show is so terrible is it's not really the NSSF's fault 
It's the trade shows are terrible. Yeah. Vegas is terrible. Yeah. Oh my God. But I, uh, I think that somebody like you guys or Mike, somebody who isn't necessarily a company. So you, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're unbiased. You're, you're no man's land. You guys could start some kind of symposium or, you know, just a get together that other companies could come to. And it's not on any one person's turf. And so it's cool. We could all show up. What was that? What? What was that show show that they had up in the up in Seattle? Um, they used to have it every year. Uh, TriggerCon. TriggerCon. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. That was a really fun. I've show. heard that's really good. Yeah. If you've ever gone to that one, it's pretty small. Um, it's much more personable. It feels like a better shot show. That was awesome, but I think it got canceled due to COVID because Seattle um, mm. very, 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 very liberal. Was it? So they're not down. Yeah. Was it Justin from Core Performance that said we should do it in Florida? I think he was saying. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, he brought up all these yeah. good reasons. I don't remember. I, mean, I, I like everything except for Florida. So, <laughs> Florida's way it's really <laughs> fucking humid. Yeah. I, I was doing my dog handling course down in Florida in August. We were we, uh-huh. we were in kind of like the swamps in his backyard and just running through that and doing yeah. like scent work. Oh, it was so miserable. It's, it was way too humid. Yeah, it sounds awful. Mm. That sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're coming up on about two and a half hours now. Um, oh yeah, we've talked. Yeah. Oh, it's, I just like talking. To, I like talking. To yeah, Isaac, no, so. it's great. The time disappeared. Great. Yeah. Well, one th- one thing I think that, we're, going to, we're going to have to do more of this. Yeah. This is a good. Well, this, is, this is a good. Uh, this um, is a good recommendation for like a get together. But this is something we were actually talking about in a yeah. in a meeting earlier this week. Is just kind of what is it that we want to. You know what? What are our success metrics at T Rex? Because there's the obvious ones. There's like make enough money that you keep the doors open. You know, there's just basic economics. Quad nods. And then there's things like influence. You know, obviously we have a motto which is inspire, educate, equip. But uh, you know, make 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 enough YouTube videos, sell enough product. You're like check check. But um, what what would be uh, what would be really neat is if we could be a part of like that bigger movement. Like if there's a wave that's already breaking and we get to ride it, that's great. But if we could give the next wave a push. Um, so figuring out ways where we can work with other companies and it's not just like a product thing. Like, you know, we help somebody make a pistol light so that we can make a holster for it. But like something deeper than that, something bigger than that, something that's a little more movementy and a little less uh, businessy. Yeah, that would be... Uh, that would be something that would be really, really cool. I don't know how to define it. And it's probably, T-Rex probably can't spearhead it, but uh, we would definitely want to make it as cool as possible. Interesting. As, as non-weird as I think you're possible. already helping a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, have a, I just thought of a really weird concept. Not weird. I think the best thing that do it. you guys could bring to some, because you said you don't, you don't necessarily want to spearhead it. I don't think you necessarily have to. I think with all the, you know, influence and, and kind of audience that everybody kind of has here, I think if there was a way to kind of host like a, Hey, we're going to do like a week or two week long event where, we focus on, you know, survival skills, or we focus on these certain areas that aren't really always looked at. And we're going to be there. I think just your presence and the production value that you guys can bring. I think that's where a lot of value is going to come because people are just going to come just to want to hang out. And it's kind of like what we did with our characters for a while to build our audience. Mm -hmm. We did these characters Mm -hmm. that had no educational value whatsoever, but we know people want to be entertained as well. 
So yeah. we do the characters, we draw people in, and then we also put in guides. And then we also do this stuff. And I think very similarly, mm-hmm. your presence on simply being yeah. there attracts people. And then it's like, oh, we're here and the T-Rex armed guys and Grant Thumb are here. Cool. Oh, well, now we're learning about whatever it is that we're doing. And I think, uh, I don't know, that's just me thinking. I like yeah. it. No, I think yeah, that's, that's a good that's, idea. I mean, a good example is I just realized it's like finished brutality and desert brutality. Like those are oh, not yeah. run by in range or Ian or Veristerlica, but they, they get eyeballs because of those, those guys, you know, they, because they're publicizing and part of those events, everyone else wants to come and do it too. Cause it looks fun. Hmm. That's a good point. Finish brutality. What a great match. <laughs> it looked unpleasant. It looked cool. I want to do that. It looks yeah. miserable and wonderful. Whoa. I want to try it. We're going to get I you am, out there. Uh, I am the oldest guy on this, on this podcast. How old so. are you, Isaac? I'm 40. How old are I'm 40 you? years old. You're not old, <laughs> Isaac. I'm you're, feeling my age. No, I actually, you... I shouldn't say that because uh, some of you guys <laughs> have more injuries than I do. And so <laughs> Isaac, you I shouldn't are... complain too much. Your, isn't your cardiovascular peak at like 39 or 42 or somewhere right around there? Oh, it probably is. It's is it? exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I need to get, uh, I know. need to be doing more stuff, but, um, so what's going to happen is as my kids get older, there's a whole bunch of things that I used to do that I've kind of stopped doing because I don't have time because of kids, but I get to start doing again as soon as kids are older. Yeah. So like I kind of stopped gaming, but now I'm doing a little bit of computer games with James. And uh, as the kids get older, like I've also basically stopped hunting. I haven't been hunting since I've been married, but James is old enough to go hunting pretty soon. Ooh. And uh, so all of this stuff that I've kind of gotten lax and sloppy about like camping with little children is not fun, but camping with slightly older children is a blast. And so we're going to start camping again pretty soon. So we're going to start well, he, doing all of this stuff that I have been lazy about. Well, he's going to um, learn how to chop some wood. I'll tell you that much. Rebuild civilization oh, yeah, gonna, He's going to build a civilization with an axe. <laughs> yeah. That's how you do it. Well, it's actually, I love going to, um, to Jordan's house and the kids love it. And they're, they're learning how to do, do stuff out there. So it's, that's really cool. But, yeah, I'm hoping to get back into some of this stuff. But when I when I do certain things, I do feel like, man, I'm getting old. You know, all of this stuff that sounded super fun and was super fun when I was younger sounds less fun. Like if North Korea invades and I have to do guerrilla warfare stuff, I'm going to be so grumpy about it. Go, make sure we say gorilla. Like yeah. The uh, yeah. I, I'm going to get you out here. I, this is really important to me now. I want to get Lucas. I know Lucas is so busy right now, though, but I want to get him oh, out yeah. for, for the mountain course as well. You know, that's something that me and Lucas have talked about for a long time. Maybe we'll do, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll do it at some point in the future. Yeah. You never know. You never yeah. know. But if you make me sleep you know, in that, the cave, that's a good like, idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen, Isaac. I'm just letting you know that right now. During, during that night walk, dur- during that night walk, I saw the T-Rex arms um, folks do. They were, you know, his, what was his mandatory? It was like mandatory water or something like that. And then he was like, I have rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. It was like, I don't, hmm. Grant Thumb would not approve. <laughs> Grant Thumb would not approve of, of rain energy drink. You're sure, certainly yeah. going to get that heart rate up. Yeah. Dehydrate <laughs> a little bit quicker too. <laughs> a little yeah. bit of dehydration, a little spicy. <laughs> Spicy well, we, need to do, we need to do more of that stuff around here for sure. But we should, uh, yeah, we should organize more more stuff uh, 
outdoor way. Except for the fact that I don't, uh, I don't like traveling either. Uh, man, I sound like such a grumpy old man. What, what if we just well, flew out? What if we? Stuff, but I won't get on an airplane. What if we flew to you? Just did private plane. Oh, that's you know, there's an airport right next to uh, the uh, the T Rex shop. Little uh, community. Oh, that's airport. easy. We might just 14, do that. Fourteen thousand foot runway. Like cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. A PC twelve and just come land and fly out to Washington. Kidnap <laughs> <laughs> them. Yeah, Man, that, that's cool. that's garbage. Just Halo jump in. Fuck it. At that point, dude. <laughs> I, I wish I could jump right now. I man, I I gotta I gotta fix this neck, man. Dying. Every, <laughs> yeah, I, I keep wanting to uh, to try to try getting into oh, jumping. And every every oh, time, Isaac, every time I think it. about it, I'm talking to guys who are like, oh yeah, and I and I broke this and I broke that. And okay, I'm okay. Like, Everyone breaks it on static. All of my injuries are from static line, like civilian freefall. Super safe, super soft landings. You're gonna be fine. I'll, we're doing it. We're doing it, Isaac. I'm just letting you know. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna do like a full bear grills. We're gonna parachute into the woods. And we're gonna build a, a small replica of Paris or something like that. I don't know. Nice. Well, that's good. Could, <laughs> could you in, uh, could you incorporate any diving? Because my uh, my scuba cert is is not getting used a lot here in Tennessee. When was the last time you uh, dived? <sighs> that's a good question. It's probably four or five years ago. Now, you know, three, three or four years ago, yeah. I think I brought this up before, but there's there's this really um, cool event you can do, or it's in Belize, and it's the eye. So it's a... Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, what you can do is you can skydive from 15,000 feet into the eye, and then there'll be a boat there. So once you land, you shed your skydiving equipment, you put on your diving equipment, then you dive down to the bottom. Aren't... So it's supposed to be really cool because it's like you go from this highest elevation... Uh, without O2 to this really low elevation diving. So it's supposed to be kind of this cool experience. And that would be pretty fun. Aren't to do. you not supposed to do that? Like, isn't there? A... Well, you're not supposed to go the other way. Oh, the other way. Oh, okay. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. that sounds yeah, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's something about altitude and oxygen pressure that you're not supposed to fuck with. But I think you're okay here. Uh, you're fine. I oh, think yeah, I'm someone's, sure gonna, fine. someone's probably going to hop in and say you can't do that. But um, one of my, one, a couple of my buddies were, were planning on doing it. So I'm not sure if it's actually safe or not, but. It's just yeah. nitrogen, whatever. There's Who a cares? lot of nitrogen in the air. It didn't hurt me yet. I'm sure I'm fine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I made, uh, I have, I haven't been, there's a whole bunch of stuff I used to do that I need to get back to, but Tennessee is a landlocked uh, state and I don't really like cave or quarry diving that much. So I've gotten, I've gotten yeah. out of that Ditto. practice too. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the descent. Cave diving's not for me. I did it once and I was like, I'm so glad I did that and that I will never do it again. <laughs> that seems extremely yeah. claustrophobic. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all, Chief. <laughs> <sighs> Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should probably uh, head home and take care of kids. Oh, by the way, I have a grand thumb story that I think uh, nobody <laughs> has probably heard before. I think that this is important enough that you should not go <laughs> yeah. home and see your kids. It is more important than all well, this. Is, this is a good go story, uh, you know, potentially to close on. I don't know how late you guys want to I, talk without. I love it. Let's okay, close go. it. Do you do you remember, Mike, when you were out at the T Rex range uh, one time, and I brought a small child with me? Do you dimly remember this? It was, this is a while I back. So James it from is, my memory. is like five and a half now. I do remember it. I do. I think he was. I think he was almost three. But anyway, we're out on the range. Uh, he's wearing hearing protection and he's watching us shoot. Um, he's mostly watching you shoot. 
uh, <laughs> and all the other people that are out there. And then we break for lunch. And during lunch, some of the guys go, you know, 50, 100 yards away and start shooting with pistols, which is totally safe. It's fine. But he uh, doesn't really like it. Like, it's it's too loud. He's not wearing his, his ear pro, and it's, it's not pleasant. So he runs over to who he thinks is me and grabs a hold of what he thinks are my legs. And it's, of course, grand thumb. And he, and, you know, you just, you just take off your, your ear pro and just lean down and put it on him. And he's like watching them shoot. Now he's happy. He's got the ear pro on. He's hanging real tight onto your legs. And then he looks up at you and he's like, oh. And then runs off because it's not me. But it was like, yeah. It was like, I just watched a meme happen. Like even my own son thinks that Grand Thumb is daddy. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, those were off score amps that he took. So I'm going to need uh, you to pay for those. <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> I do remember that. That's uh, Those are little things you forget. That's awesome. It was a super touching That's moment. Very it was sweet. also a hilarious internet meme played out in real that, life. That is a meme right there. <laughs> That's wholesome. Very wholesome. So now, uh, next time he comes out to the range, hopefully he will have his uh, his twenty two pistol kitted out with a suppressor and uh, and those ops core amps. Proper proper red dot. I can't uh, can't wait to see it. Taken care of. (laughs) Yeah, you love to see it. (laughs) Yep. So it's uh yeah really really appreciated talking to you guys. It's really fun uh, to have some of these conversations, and it's it's a. yeah, like like I said, this is this is proof that we could have like a like an industry event, a hangout. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. And uh, I agree. Point, that would be it, it's really like the personalities mesh well, and yeah, I I think that's something we should put more effort into. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, start, sure. we'll start start pushing on it. Yeah, because well, it's so easy that to to misconstrue. You know, with the the internet barrier, uh, it's so easy to get annoyed with people, uh, jump to the wrong conclusions. And uh, then everyone else loves the drama, so it of course spirals out of control. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, when people hang out in person, it's it's completely different. Yeah, it's, it's very point. different. It's, it's very really different. Point. This is this there's, is sort of close. It's kind of close. Like, it's yeah, as close yeah. as we can get right now. Yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, I think we'll have to do yeah. this more. This is this is good. Like yeah, our, our first yeah, we're recurring bring guests, again, but like, Isaac. At, at some point, I'm going. <laughs> well, congratulations on. Uh, Congratulations on your new podcast, Mike. I, I applaud you. Yeah, you have no choice, <laughs> Isaac. The, the third host. Oh my god! I I, I do have to get um. Who's the third host? Fucking Lucas, Mike Jones. when he reached out and talked about the Isaac episode, I think we were kind of like tiptoeing around the idea of having him on. I I, I got to ask him at one point, but I do really one question I've really wanted to ask Lucas for a long time. What does he think a boxing match between him? And Mike would look like because that guy. I remember that was a huge thing. I don't, oh yeah, I don't remember what you did. I don't remember what you did or what he did. But people thought that you two were going to fight, and you had to do a whole live stream just to kind of like. I remember that. Yep. That was hilarious. Yep. I love that. Drama. Oh so I got, I got, I got to ask him about that. But that's that's for that's for his podcast, and then we'll see I what happens from that. there. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a real oh, pleasure Lucas. having both of you on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that's a lot of fun. And, uh, Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I think that's yeah, going to be our longest episode to date, which is which is great. I mean, would that mean you're not going to have to get anything out except uh, all that earlier stuff about Delta Force and Green Berets? Yeah, and also maybe the stuff about you know uh, Stephen Paddock with no history of anything and yeah, no motivation at all. Smuggling so, forty four. Yeah, I'm so glad you know, that we semi automatic firearms, some of which with bump stocks. So into his hotel years room. after the fact, but we still know nothing about what happened. <laughs> so wonderful. Yeah. It's clinical.
We can still know nothing about what happens. It's a great thing that all the people around him are, you know, died or are in prison. Uh, Sorry, continue. Well, um, closing dad advice from, we're going to go with Isaac this time. Closing advice for the audience. Dad advice. Oh, uh, I guess, oh, for, for dads or as if just, I am. Just if you're, you're, you're a dad, oh. you got, you got dad advice. Um, be cautiously optimistic about people. Don't, uh, don't jump to terrible conclusions just cause it's easy. Uh, don't even jump to terrible conclusions just cause it looks like the tiny bit of evidence that you have might point that way. Be cautiously optimistic about people. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, something we covered earlier. It's probably a good good place to end on it's a good place to end on uh you love it yeah thanks for listening goodbye thank you so much <laughs>